it oh. almost it almost sounds like you're going through not your mic like are you sure we're not going through your headphone mic or oh man because skype Jesus does Christ. kind of mess around with the, the the mic and the headphones especially if you use headphones is that this have a mic. different it's way yes. better yes. Whoa. <laughs> i'm so oh my sorry God. i'm you're so in my sorry ears. i'm guys i'm so sorry wow <laughs> So how long were you a sound editor for? Like, oh no! I knew that was gonna fucking do that. Hey, are you the guy who who likes watching movies in the bathtub? Or is yeah, that... that's that's me. Yeah, uh, that's you. Okay. I do my I, I do my best work in the tub. I don't I don't know if you can talk about my sound editing experience with fucking Waterworld as your TV. <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome to the Invincible Podcast, probably the best superhero podcast in the universe. This is a show where friends get to talk all things Invincible, a comic book, and soon to be animated series by Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, and Ryan Otley. I am one of your hosts, Ryan, and joining me today is Bill. Hi everyone. And TJ. Oh, hello, it's TJ. You know, I had an an opportunity there because we redid this to put you first and I still didn't. I don't know why. I I was on the edge of my seat. I I was like, he's going to fucking do it he's gonna put me second no i should have though bill how are you doing i'm doing good guys yeah tj uh i'm doing good yeah i have a story you got a story what is it i do have a story what do share guess what i got over thanksgiving weekend Uh, i don't know the coronavirus did you really i did oh my god did did you really (laughs) yeah Where how are you? What happened? Uh, I'm actually really good. Um, I'll tell the story so that people understand that no matter how cautious you you are, like you can, everybody's still at risk. So let me tell the story. It's kind of a long story, but I'll speed through it. So ever since it got started getting really bad again in our area, like we went back to recording on Skype again. Like I haven't seen you guys in in months. Like I I literally Mm -hmm. just go to work and I come home and that's it. That's all I've been doing. but on Thanksgiving Day, I went to my parents' house for it did Thanksgiving with my parents, my sister, and her two kids. That's it. And I go over there, and my dad is hacking and coughing and sneezing. Mm. They get a phone call. My parents get a phone call Thanksgiving morning from a friend of theirs saying, hey, uh, that basically saying that a mutual friend of theirs tested positive. My dad hangs up the phone and tells me, we were just with him last week at the get-together. And I'm like, the get-together? How many people were at the get-together? He says 19 fucking people. Oh, my God. Oh my I'm like, God. are you insane? I'm like, I was with you all day yesterday and today. <clears throat> and my sister is there and the kids are there and everything. Like, we're all there. Like, you know, me and my dad, like, argued all weekend telling him you got to get tested. Like, he was, a, he was a wreck. Like, he wasn't – he didn't look good. He was sneezing. Like, it was bad. Finally, Saturday morning, he agreed to do it if we all did it with him. So I was like, screw it. If you mm-hmm. got it, I'm sure I have it too. Mm-hmm. So I'll just go and get tested even though I felt fine. So Saturday I go, I get tested. Um, we all get tested. Sunday we record with Kyle Higgins, which you're all about to hear. Um, and then I sit down to watch football and my whole body starts to ache. Sure enough, I wake up the next morning and I can't get out of bed. My mm-hmm. dad calls me and he goes, your sister has all the same symptoms. I'm like, well, there you go. Yep. Later on, sure enough, I get the results and I'm positive. Jesus. So it actually like... Luckily, I will say this though, it's been perfectly fine. I've been fine. Um, 
it feels like a slight cold. The only the most annoying thing that's happened to me is I've completely lost my sense of taste and smell. And uh-huh. not like not like like you do when you get a cold or when you're stuffed up. Like it is fucking gone and there's i can't smell anything or taste anything it's and you don't sound that nasal either so it's not from like you plugging your nose it's just like gone like it takes it away that's crazy monday when i woke up my whole body was aching (laughs) and i i I had trouble getting out of bed but since then like it hasn't really been bad at all I've, i've gotten lucky i know it can affect different people differently but basically this just goes to show that like no matter how cautious you are all it takes is one person who isn't mm-hmm. and it right can, it, my, my whole family has it yeah. me and my mom my sister my sister Jesus. the kids have it wow so i have um not as intense a story as that not that that's intense so i mean it's just <clears throat> i guess to your point tj it just goes to show like it's i mean if you've been sick if you've been we've all been really really sick before you know what i mean like i've i've been so sick where i can't get out of bed and it wasn't the coronavirus but anyways so back in january last january 2020 so my sister went to new york city came back was so sick that she almost like was gonna die you know what i mean like very very ill <clears throat> so she got better. This was before like coronavirus blew up. This was in mm-hmm. January. Yeah. Um, so she got sick and then my dad kind of got sick. Um, and my sister's currently staying with my parents, um, for the past like year and a half. And then my mom, I remember this story vividly. They were at JC Penny. My mom got so sick. She threw up in a shoebox. In, at J.C. Penney. Oh. Like, she couldn't hold it. She just threw up in a shoebox. And, and TJ, I laughed at her, too. It was funny. Long story short, Stephanie got the antibody test a few months ago, and she had the antibodies in yeah. her blood. And they said the time frame, with as many as you've had in your blood right now, it's like a few months back, which would have been January. So yeah. she, it's when she had it, she was that sick. That's crazy. My dad just got blood work done, and he has the fucking antibodies. Mm-hmm. So... I, I didn't I don't remember seeing my family around that time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I did at one point, but I mean from January to now, I have at one point been like, Oh, I feel like <clears throat> you know, I have like a little bit of this and that, but that's the thing. Nothing man. crazy. It's, so it's weird to think that you might have had it and been asymptomatic, or yeah. you know, it, you just thought it was something like a, a, a you know, feeling down post, that day. Post, post yeah, exactly. Direct, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm I like I'm sick. Like I feel, I feel kind of sick, but it's like, buff. Like we live in Buffalo, New York, where winters can be brutal. It's like Buffalo, New York, sick. Like it's where, like mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't feel sick and enough to where I would stay home on a normal day. I want to make, I want to make it clear that we are in no way uh, downplaying this. Uh, like TJ but said, he feels lucky that you know this could absolutely, right. you know, that's what I'm saying though. Like this could be it dangerous. Affects, it affects everybody different. Bill could yeah. have had it and been asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. I'm like. I feel it, but like I said, like the fact that I would go to work right now if there wasn't like a COVID thing, like people need to be aware. Like if you're yeah. even a little sick, you should like take my, take precaution. My, and not only yeah. that, but like it hit my dad bad. Like he's good yeah. and everything. He's not like scared for his life or anything like that. It's not that bad. It could it could be a lot worse, but it affects everybody differently. Yep. Mm-hmm. My so, uh, my uncle got tested positive <clears throat> a week and a half ago. He almost went to the hospital. It was that bad. And again, his wow. his whole family and his house now. Um, I mean, it's gone through. I mean, this is a, it's one of those things that when this first started happening, Bill, I remember talking to you about it when it was a lot of unknowns and, and it was, you know, extra scary about like, how bad is this thing? And then you start hearing like, 
oh, uh, a friend of mine knows somebody that got tested positive for this. And then it started to feel like that early zombie movie kind of thing where it's like all of a sudden, yep. and now here we are. And here we are. You know it's, what I mean? It's like, everywhere. I, like, it's, it's crazy. So, so TJ, you have it. My sister, my family had it. Um, my across the street neighbor, um, I'm not going to be specific. He or she may have it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or ha- has it right yeah. now. Yep. Um, it's gone through. So it's it's just... gone through my immediate family, and it's gone through my place of work. Luckily, yeah. my wife and I have been fine. But um, I mean, I've definitely gotten tested several times, and um, mm-hmm. luckily in New York, it's pretty easy to get tested. So, yeah, scary stuff, man. It's crazy. Um, but we should uh, we should talk about Invincible. <laughs> Let's segue. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Invincible Podcast, and I swear we do talk a lot about Invincible. Um, you can email us at theinvinciblepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us over on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify. Uh, you can check out the website. It's theinvinciblepodcast.com. There is a handy reading guide there, a contact form, as well as uh, access to all the episodes. Um, we are also the Oblivion Song Podcast. Um, that is also a monthly show that comes out the Friday after every issue of Oblivion Song. What's up next, TJ? Uh, for Oblivion Song? Yep. Uh, issue 29 comes out on the 16th. Holy so shit! It's going to be a crazy issue! It is going to be a crazy issue. and uh, So we might be recording the... on my birthday. Yeah, we'll probably record that Thursday, and then the new episode of the next episode of the Oblivion Song podcast will come out uh, on the 18th. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's very cool. Excellent. Um, so we have a pretty long episode here, as you might be able to see. Uh, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, first up, <laughs> I want to talk about some invincible news. Uh, the local comic shop day issue came out this was a cool surprise i mean we knew a little bit uh in fact i want to say maybe even last episode we talked a little bit about um this issue coming out and our theories on what cover it was going to be because we're like okay we know it's gold foil cover and we're like all right is it going to be the um the original cover or is it going to be the free comic book day cover with the animated series style artwork um and we were, we were wrong. We were all wrong. <laughs> uh, well, to a degree, it is the animated Wait, series artwork. T- What's that, Bill? TJ, T- 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 what, were, what were we? We were so wrong. Little Prometheus, Prometheus trailer. Oh, yes. <laughs> good trailer. We were so wrong. Um, so good. Awesome uh, cover, though. This, uh, this issue has this great um, background. So again, it's, it's Invincible in the new animated style artwork, doing his classic pose. But the background and the back of the issue is all um, just covers from across the series, um, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. It's neat that it's a, that awesome. a completely new issue. And of course, the gold foil lettering on the, um, on the title is awesome. Um, Skybound has also done another vault sale uh, this past week. Um, on it, Sean Kirkham mentioned, um, that there might be some merch in the pipeline, um, in related, in relation to the Invincible animated series, which is also very exciting, mm-hmm. uh, which is not, not that surprising, of course. I mean, you'd think that they'd be doing something for the show. Um, but the fact, just hearing about it, it, it's exciting. Uh, there is another Skybound Expo that's December 8th. Um, so that should be a week or so from when you hear this less. Um, only a few days, actually. Um, no, um, no panels or anything announced for that yet, right, TJ? Not that I've seen, no. 
Yeah, they did say like, okay, comics, games, and all this kind of stuff that's going to be there. And I, I believe there's going to be another vault sale, and that's the eighth. Um, uh, speaking of panels, though, there is a, a Amazon Prime panel at uh, the Brazil Comic Con uh, this Saturday. So if you're hearing this on the day this came out or shortly after, it's it's pretty soon. So uh, the Amazon Prime panel did announce that Amazon, or that Invincible would be a part of it. Uh, as as you know, along with the Expanse and other Amazon Prime shows, so it, odds are it's just going to be a, a small segment of the panel. Do you guys have any uh, expectations or predictions for this? I feel like it is going to be just the trailer in a in a dubbed language. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I don't think it's. I, I don't. I definitely don't think we're going to get like a clip or a scene. I, I think that if they were to show something like that, it would be in. Um, where is it at? The U.S. Brazil. But again, it is a, a pretty big looking convention. I mean, digital convention. They've got um, a lot of a lot of big panels and everything. So I'm not sure. And but 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 again, like Skybound and everybody hasn't really been talking much about it. So I'm kind mm-hmm. of expecting them to show off the trailer, which, again, is always good. Just, you know, widening the reach. Um, if anything else, because, uh, again, the, the wording is weird. It says like, oh, featuring robert kirkman and jk simmons but again is that is that saying that they'll be on the panel that they're on the panel or that it's created and by them and starring them you know what i mean like sometimes they get really you know tricky with their wording yeah Yeah. i don't think so either but i think it's just going to be invincible in portuguese yeah Mm -hmm. we'll see um but that's a thing. So obviously we'll be talking about it on Twitter if anything comes out of that. Uh, the last thing I want to bring up is, uh, and I don't think this had happened as of uh, last month's episode, but Robert Kirkman was on uh, Rob Observations, the Rob Liefeld uh, podcast. Um, did either of you get a chance to listen to that yet? Mm-hmm. Wasn't it really good? It was. It was really good. I loved it. <clears throat> I mean, uh, really cool hearing the two of them talk just, you know, casual friendly conversation uh, robert kirkman goes into some really interesting stuff regarding his time at marvel um they do talk a little bit about invincible um rob Liefeld seems like a big fan of it and you know talking about how you know kirkman had once shown him some uh, early scenes from the animated series and um he asked kirkman about writing for it kirkman again you know mentioned that he wrote the premiere and finale which again for some reason i thought he just wrote the premiere hmm. um i don't think that's news I just must have forgotten about it, but it's just still really exciting to know that he did the premiere and the finale. Um, Robert, uh, I'm sorry, Rob asked if there was a date uh, for the show, and Kirkman said that there is, but he can't say it yet, just because to you know they're they're building hype and everything, and uh, uh, he says that he feels as though it'll be known fairly soon. So hmm. we'll see about that. Um, I think that may, that makes me think that it's going to be very soon. The, the series yeah, yeah. absolutely they're yeah. not going to release the date and have it not come I'm out i'm still yeah at i mean least 30 day at least 30 days or at the most 30 days after when they announce the date really the, oh yeah saying that it would be within the 30 days or within, after the 30 days within the 30 days within no later so if they announce it like january 1st it's going to premiere march 1st something along those lines i'm gonna oh i think it's going to be much sooner than that oh from the announced date much gonna, sooner then I'm going to be light, later than all of both of you. I'm going to say minimum 30, maximum 60. So I'd say it's not coming out within the first 30 days, but will definitely be within the 30 after. I We're probably in the same area. I, 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 think I think I'm going... Like, first two weeks? 
no, 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 no. I think, I'd say I think like eight months. I think, I think, I think me, Ryan, you and I agree. I would say like a month to one to two months from I'm when they announced like the six date. Weeks. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what that's know. that's what I think too. Like, okay. I I'm not I'm not saying it's gonna it's like they're gonna be like they're gonna announce the date and that, tomorrow be a week later. I'm okay. saying it's going to be a month okay. after they announce. Okay, it. then yeah, we're we're all in the same boat here. Um, yeah. The other thing that uh, they joked a little bit about, you know, bringing Invincible back in comic book form, and and Kirkman joked a little bit about that as well as um, mentioning that he misses writing Invincible tremendously. Yeah, don't play with our heartstrings, bro. Come on now. <laughs> You screwed up, Kirkman. <laughs> Ended it all. I like to all think. Things. I like to think that he's written issue one forty-five or other things, and just been like, "All right," just to kind of get it out of his system a little bit, mm-hmm. and then like maybe go back to that and like tweak it a bit, and just so it's there and ready, just in case he decides to. You know, there's something about. I I, I really feel strongly about him going back to writing it. I I I really think that after the show premieres and it does really well, he's gonna like have that itch yeah. kind of like, know, how, like he, he said that um he said that before that he's like I, i'm not done um i haven't finished what did it, what was the quote ryan where he said like i haven't writ- written my last page of invincible or something like something like that i, I, I it, mean it, it was basically it was something it along was... the lines of he wasn't alluding to the fact that the story isn't done because yeah. the story is done but he's basically saying like he's going to come back to it in one sense or another eventually sometime yeah. before he dies yeah mm-hmm so that does it for invincible related news. We're gonna. Uh... I don't. I don't think so, Ryan. What? I don't think so. What? Is, what I think else there's is there? one more little little <gasps> tidbit of news, but it's not invincible related. Okay. It's invincible podcast related. And what's that? We we've made it. We have made it. We surpassed a thousand followers. We did. On Twitter. We did. Yeah. Congrats so to congratu- us. So congratulations, guys. That's that, that's a that huge is thing. pretty cool. I don't even I don't even know a thousand people, so I know that it's just <laughs> not like my mom, my friends, and and stuff like that. Yeah, so we got as many people as we could early on. Um, it's definitely not them anymore. Uh, so yeah, so thank you. I mean, for anyone that is following us over on Twitter, that's pretty cool. Yeah, very um, cool. Neat little milestone there. Um, so yes, let's get into this interview. This long interview. This was uh, we we had Kyle Higgins, um, comic book writer director on the podcast to talk to us all about his new comic coming out radiant black um can i can i say like a quick thing yeah we 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 recorded with kyle higgins we had such a good time recording with him and we recorded for five hours there's yeah this, i think this yeah. interview is like two, two hours long but like we we recorded for five hours so like if you think this is long like <laughs> literally yeah. it was like all our whole day sunday but it was it, 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 was, it, was, that, it was that much fun yeah, it, we, it, do, it, we none of us wanted to hang hang up with him. Yeah, yeah, we had a great time. Um, you might know his work from uh, uh, Power Rangers or um, Ultraman, which is out now. Um, but like I said, or Nightwing, Nightwing, Batman. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, uh, we talk a bit about Radiant Black. In fact, I think we uh, you know talk a little bit about Radiant Black before actually talking about what Radiant Black is. So hang in there. We, we, we realize uh, after several minutes, oh, wait, let's talk about what this comic actually is. Um, but uh, we just got right into it. And, and the influence that Invincible had and the connections with Invincible, and he's got some great stories. So um, we had an absolute blast. I'm going to shut up now so we can get to the interview. Um, and we'll be back after this to talk about some other stuff that we've been up to. Welcome, Kyle Higgins, to the Invincible Podcast. 
How's hey. it going, boys? How, How are, are you? you? Nice to meet you all. It's going very good. Thank you, you so well, much. Sir. It's it's weird to put faces to voices, but I'm yeah. sure that's not the first time you've heard that. So, yeah, that's and with goes. faces like these, um, it's a very pleasant experience. There you go. Oh, I took that in thank a different you. direction. Well, that's a first. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I do like your uh, your selectively blurred background, Bill. Yeah, it's so, intentional. That's actually a, a a natural blur effect because it's just a very bright light behind me. So that's just a window. Are you your depth of field is that shallow? What are you do? What are you filming on? What are you shooting on? Just an iPad. No, you definitely oh, wow. have the you definitely have the background no, you, blur going. That's you have a, one. You have a filter do, on for sure. You have a do filter I? on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey Bill, so, you want to talk to me about microphones? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where the microphone is on these headphones. It's like magic to me. I don't know. I don't have anything in front of me. So. Oh, are those the Sony's or what are those? Yeah. Yeah, they're the. Oh yeah, yeah, those are nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you totally have a background on because your wire is blurring. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a portion of your wire is blurring. Yeah. Yeah. You see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's great stuff for a cool. uh, audio podcast. Yeah. Just, just imagine, <laughs> oh, yeah, just imagine, just... just Vaseline all around Bill. I mean, it's just. <laughs> but it's... not in a creepy way. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm gonna work on the next hour to try to get this filter off, so I seem like I know what I'm doing. You guys go ahead and talk about cool stuff. <laughs> so, so all right. So I gotta, I gotta get this out of the way. I mean, it's been several months. I mean, you reached out to us a while ago. Um, as I mean, we're the Invincible podcast. What does that have to do right. with, with you know, Radiant Black? I mean, why are you here? What what is the well, point? Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess um, I guess to start at the beginning, um, I'm not a fan of things anymore. Like some that part of me died at some point, mm-hmm. and I don't remember when. I'm not aware of it. But I am aware, I I wasn't aware of it happening, but I'm aware of it now. Like, the things that I'm still, like, a really big, like, diehard fan of, I can count on one hand. It's like the Chicago Bears, anything related to Batman, the animated series, you know, Mm. things like that. Um, But comic books in, in general, especially superhero comics, are something that I have loved for, like, my entire life, and yet I've feel like I very much kind of fell out of love with them. And that is in large part, I think, because I've been writing superhero comics, you know, like full time for the last about 10 years now. And you go through weird ebbs and flows and politics and jobs that didn't work out or that worked out, but not the way you wanted them to or things you're really proud of. And then other things that that you wish you could have back. And then, like I said, like, there can be jealousy over like, well, why didn't I get that job? Or why didn't, why didn't they keep this run I was doing going longer? Or, you know, um, it's, it's anytime you, you see how the sausage is made, like it's hard to have that kind of like unabashed, like excitement for, um, for the material. And in general, I actually have found like, I realized kind of at the end of 2019, it was like, oh, wow, you know, I'm really not actually reading that many comics anymore either. Um, now that all, while that, what's strange about that statement is that I still love making them, you know, mm-hmm. um, like I got started making comics because of a film I directed and that's directing is really like my first love, but, um, comics, when the, the opportunities presented themselves, it was like, 
the opportunity presented itself. Um, it was actually with Marvel. I was like right out of college and I was like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pitch some stories, you know, and then it just kind of turned into this thing. And then they offer you Batman and no one says no to Batman. <laughs> so then you blink and all these years go by and, and you know, whatever, like I still, I love making them. I love telling stories. I love the format and the medium. And I say that, and I will bring these two things back together, but basically we started building out Radiant Black about a year, well, in in earnest in a like, hey, this is what we're going to do. It was probably just a little over a year ago. Um, it had been a, a slightly different idea um, before that, um, but it really coalesced about a year ago. And that also coincided with like, as we'll get to here, like, look, I mean, like there's a lot of the book's not about me, but there's a lot of me in the book. And, um, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that I decided I was going to I was going to change coming into um, 2020 was trying to find some books to just fall in love with again, comic book wise, and especially superheroes if I could, you know, mm -hmm. I was I was starting to pick up Hickman's X-Men stuff and I was really enjoying it um, just because it was the first time I was like, oh, you know, like every week or every other week, it's like, oh, I, I want to make sure I pick that up um, across titles, you know? Yeah. And like I had, I had some friends in the industry, I have some friends in the industry that like we would text because we were picking it. We were all like all of us. Like that's the thing. When, when Jonathan went to do X-Men, like I, it was like, it, I did, I did the, the same thing with that, with that run. Yeah. It had been forever yeah. since I had read X-Men and then I jumped in same. for that one. Same. And like, um, it, it was kind of like not the worst kept secret in comics, but like everyone knew he was doing X-Men because it had been in the works for a long time. And so there was like this palpable, like, well, what's he going to do that mm -hmm. we all kind of felt. And so there were a number of us, like I said, that would like, we were like texting about it and it was like, oh, wow, I remember what this felt like, mm -hmm. you know, when I was, when I was doing this more consistently reading and, and just a fan of things, you know? And, um, <clears throat> And so then, you know, um, come February, uh, I want to say it was February. Yeah. I went back to Chicago for C2E2 and that was the last, well, I did one more convention after that before the world ended, but, uh, I, I went back to Chicago for C2E2. They announced Ultraman there. I was working on Radiant Black and I was reminded of the fact that I had never read Invincible. And I had I had the first hardcover from years ago that um, that someone my, one of my friends at Skybound gave me, and I'd started it. I liked it, you know. I read like the first couple issues, but like I knew it's like okay, this is something I really want to like, you know, I, I really want to read properly one day. And um, actually, Ryan Parrott, who writes all the Power Rangers books now, he was the one who turned me on to it like ten to twelve years ago. He was like, dude, it's so good. Like you got to read this book. And um, so when I came back from C2E2, there was like a, a two week period before I went to Mexico City for this convention that then I got not stuck in Mexico City, but basically everything in Los Angeles and the US shut down while we were in Mexico City. And so it was like David Finch, Mark Silvestri and myself, like having lunch together each day or in the van together, driving back to the hotel going like, are we going to are we going to be able to get back home? <laughs> you know, um, and Dave in particular lives in Canada. So it was like he had to cross oh. two borders. Um, and so anyway, but during that, those two weeks, right before I went 
to Mexico City, I decided I was like, you know what, I'm going to get the rest of these hardcovers. And I, I reached back out to Skybound and, and, and was able to get kind of an order in. And the boxes showed up as I was heading to Mexico City of, all, of the other 11 hardcovers, oh. right? And so when I then the world ends and shuts down, uh, I come back from Mexico City and it's like it's like flying into this crazy like dystopian like future mm-hmm. where ev- everything has been shuttered. You know, it was also raining one of the few times, right? So it ex- had this extra creepy, eerie vibe, and it was like, stay home, don't go anywhere. I mean, you guys obviously lived through this as well. Um, and so I was just like sitting here and I was like, well, um, I have 12 hardcovers of Invincible now and I'm going to read them. Yeah. And so I read the whole run in, uh, quarantine and, um, you know, Eric Stevenson, who's the, the publisher of image and the chief creative officer is, uh, <laughs> is, uh, you know, I, I would definitely consider a friend at this point. And so, you know, we would, we were, would be texting about, invincible because i i knew he had been involved early on and also he's just he and robert are really close and, and he really likes the book as well and so i would be texting him about the book it was like oh this was amazing or i loved this you know and i i've known robert for for years but like um you know i was i gave him a hard time once because i don't think he's ever re- responded to an email ever um but like to the point where i asked eric i was like hey do i have the right email for robert you know um but uh what i didn't know was that eric was passing on to robert what i was saying had reading it for the first time and one of the points was like it feels so i can't i can't articulate how great it feels to just be a fan of something again like like unabashed fan fandom and um and it really reminded me why i love superheroes so much and the irony is that the DNA of Radiant Black was there before I ever read Invincible. But then reading Invincible, it was it was so enlightening and um, inspiring because it was showing me like, hey, what I want to do can be done because here's this book did it, you know, I mean, did it 15 years ago as far as when it started, you know. So some of the touchstones and some of the some of the different aspects of just the world when you're when you're doing something that's really contemporary um you know some of those things don't age as as well um and so but so but then it was also like a massive relief because i was like well uh i was going to do a few things that robert did way better and uh (laughs) we'll not be doing those uh (laughs) You know, going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in general, it was just so great and such a great way to pass. Like, I mean, it was really only like two months. I, I read, I think, 144 issues yeah. in two months or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so then I found your guys' podcast actually through, I think, either Sean Kirkham at Skybound or the Skybound, you know, Twitter yeah. account just in general, um, retweeting you guys at one point. So then I followed you and then. I guess, Ryan, you followed me back. And I just I was listening to episodes like as I was driving <laughs> around and um, and I was like jumping around in order as well. Like I started at the of beginning, course. but then I really wanted to hear the Robert, you know, finale once yeah. I finished the book. And and so. Um, so, yeah, so I just reached out and, and to me and, and that's something that I'm hoping to capture a little bit with Radiant Black and then I'll shut. Can I swear on this podcast? Do we Fuck, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, it's like something I'm trying to capture with Radiant Black, and, and then I swear I'll shut the fuck up because I know I, I, I tend to rant. This is why I need an editor. Um, <laughs> but um, but it was just like like the fact that there's a podcast, the fact that you guys kept up with it as much as you did, the fact that like even I could like shoot you a message and be like, dude, I just read this issue. Look how amazing that was. That to me is so much of what the magic of comics when done right are, is that they can foster, inspire, and um, really nurture a community. Mm -hmm. And so, so many of the things that we're looking to do in Radiant Black that we haven't even announced yet or talked about yet, um, as far as like back matter content and things like that, um, all of that is, is, all of that has been thought out from the standpoint of like, we want this to be something, we want this to be a world and a reading experience that you look forward to each month and you look forward to engaging with the creators or with other fans or other readers, whether it's through the letters column, which I love letters columns for that reason, or it's through social media or, you know, um, I'll, I can, I'll just tell you right here and now, like the radiant black social media account is also going to be in universe. So, um, Wait, well, what is, wait, what does that mean? Exactly. All right. All right. <laughs> exactly. Huh. So that's that's how that's how I think we ended up <laughs> here. Because um, at a certain point, I also sent you um, the first two issues of Radiant Black mm -hmm. yeah. um, going like, hey, since you like Invincible, you might like this. Um, and and the last the last caveat I want to add to that kind of like whole preamble story is that um, Robert did. Robert did email me back <laughs> at a certain point because um, I got to a point where uh, Eric actually told me he's like, "Oh yeah," he's like, uh, "I've been telling Robert like when you send stuff." I was like, "Oh, that's awesome," and he's like, he, "It's like super cool that you know he he thinks it's really he really loves that you're enjoying it." And um, I was like, "Yeah," I was like, I, "Yeah," he. Um, I don't know that like you know we know we've known each other for a long time, but like just socially. I was like, I don't know that he's ever actually written back to an email. Like, is this actually his account? <laughs> and Eric's like, oh, yeah, he uh, he mentioned that. Like, <laughs> he, he keeps meaning. He feels bad because he keeps meaning to write you back. And then, you know, he's, he's only running a million, you know, high pressure things at the moment. And yeah. so I got to a moment in the book. And uh, I don't want to tell you what it was. I'll tell you off air. Um, but um, I took a screenshot and I emailed robert and i just said you sick bastard i love it and he, you mean and he in invincible back, yes oh no we and spoil he, we spoil invincible no I mean, no no i know i'm saying i don't want to put i don't want to oh no got it, it was got because it. of robert's response it was got it very funny um but I'll, I'll tell you off air and uh anyway so uh so he wrote back and then he was like Hey, yeah, sorry I didn't I haven't emailed you, but like this is awesome that you loved it. I can't wait to hear what you think of the ending. And so so I wrote him a, a big email at the end of it all. And at that point he had the first issue of Radiant Black as well. And he's like, I can't wait to read this. He's like, Eric sent this along, I can't wait to read it. He's like, that cover is great. And then fast forward all these months and like we're putting together this promo poster for Radiant Black. And it we're like locking it that day. Like on a Monday morning and um, my my friend Scott Snyder sent me a blurb to use like at, in the 11th hour and, and so we were having all these emails with image back and forth like trying to lock these pull quotes and I was like oh that's awesome um, they're like yeah we got to use that I was like okay well sorry so-and-so we're bumping you know we had to bump so-and-so I'm not gonna say yeah, yeah. we had to bump so-and-so off the poster and then um, all of a sudden I was like 
I was looking at my phone. I was like dealing with something else. And I see this email from a Robert. I was like, Robert, I don't know Robert. Like I know a Rob, Robin, what Robert. And then, uh, and I looked at it and it was, it was Robert emailing me like the greatest pull quote of all time, <laughs> like just out of nowhere, like on the day that the poster is due mm-hmm. and I sent it and he doesn't know that we're doing a poster or anything. And, and, um, he really liked it and he was really, really, um, supportive. And I just want to like go on record, like right, like from the get go and say, like, I do think there's definitely some DNA shared between the two books. And I think that's important to say because it just shows how fucking awesome Robert is, like just as a person, (laughs) because he did not need to do that. And I know other creators who would absolutely have ignored and just ignored the book outright because Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, it's kind of similar to something I did. Like, fuck you. Like, I, I just I know creators that I have had creators do that to me and not necessarily with Radiant Black, but just like in my career. And the fact that Robert was like, hey, this is this is great. Here's a quote. Use it however you want. And also, like, I'm just going to give you this line, like, for anyone who loved Invincible. And it's like that you did not need to do that. That is yeah. so above and beyond. And, and I was very I was very, very appreciative. So, yeah, I mean, well, I, I mean, wh- all right. Who else? You I, to, I, got, I know I do, too. Hold on. <laughs> so I think so. I have about 20 minutes to kill right now. And I'm going to start right now. Go. Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. What do you mean so, to kill? So, oh, no, no, talk. I, I oh to yeah, yeah. So oh, I'll one up you. Like, just, we can keep doing this. I don't so know how much I, recording space I, you have on your hard drive, but. I think <laughs> we, we ask a lot of fans. I think it's the number one question we ask is, how did you get into Invincible? And that is, I mean, one of, if not the most intricately told and interesting, like, I think. Finding Invincible during the quarantine when you're you know, away I tell from home. You know, for a living, right? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, that's... I, I, yeah. But okay. I'm not going to blow, I'm not blowing smoke. It's I'm just, funny, I'm just like, saying, like, as you were telling the story and how you brought it back to, like, it's good to be a fan again, I'm like, yeah, he's a writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, um, so anyways, I, I, just really quick, what a point I want to make is that, um, I think the, the shared tone and the shared, like, kind of things that you may pull from Invincible, I think that what's nice about it is that it's not, obvious like like i like radiant black and i truly do um we've read the first two issues and i think that it's fantastic is that it just makes you feel it's very digestible in a great way um and that's and that's what invincible does like um just and and what's weird is that what i like about it is the dialogue between like the friends and the family like the real life dialogue and and you've read you've listened to the podcast so you know like my fucking love for tara I'm sure Um, just because it's so real. And it's like, if you can capture that tone, you can, you can easily read a comic book Um, because to your point too, Kyle, like I'm out of, out of the three of us, you know, me, TJ and and Ryan, I read the least amount because to you, like, I don't know what it is, but I just kind of fell out of like, Oh, I need to pick up this comic book. I need to pick up this comic book. Like if it doesn't capture me within the first page or two, I'm not interested in it. Um, and I think like a, a, a couple things in the, in the, like the last couple months or the last year, I would say is uh, fucking curse of the white knight and white. Did you read that? No, but that's one because what you, you know how I, that's the, the Sean Murphy book. Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. So remember how I just said like so, something will come out and you'll just be like, you'll be jealous. Yeah. Like, like I, mean, I love, I love Sean. <clears throat> I'm super jealous of that book. That book launched the same time I was doing Nightwing the New Order, and we were supposed to have 
a 12 issue maxi series with uh like with like cardstock covers and everything and and mr miracle got it and white knight got it and we got six issues without cardstock and and so there's like and here's the thing everything i'm describing here i know that's incredible that's me that's not that's very it's it's petty it's like that is a book that is probably great Mm. i can't enjoy it because I'm in I'm in the weeds I know the emails not not on that book but I just know the and there's a little bit of like fuck that shit like yeah because because you feel you feel jealous like I I Mm -hmm. totally can own that you know what I mean and Sean's an amazing creator like and so like I'm very happy for him Um, it also you know he riffs on a lot of the touch points that I love as well animated series series stuff bro that's what I was gonna bring it back to is like when he and and um Michael Keaton, Batman, like there's things in there. I, know, I just like, I, I just like closed the book and I was like, oh my fucking but God. That's why I, I can't. Yeah. That's why I can't because it's like, <laughs> oh, I would kill to do this. I would absolutely kill to do this and to know like, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. I'm happy for I, I, yeah. I fucking love how I fucking love how candid you are about that shit too because there's a lot of like, I feel like a lot of comic book creators and writers would be like, oh yes, I've read his work and it's all great. And you're just like, no, fuck that. I can't, I, I just, I feel too there jealous. Are, like there are certain, there are certain creators that like I will absolutely clam up about if you ask me because there's like some deep wound there that I'm not going to talk about publicly, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, so but, yeah, I mean, so how did, how did Invincible keep you reading? You know what I mean? Was there a moment in Invincible that, well, first of all, you read the first volume and then you, you know, you, you put it aside for a little while and when you went back, was there a moment when you're like, okay, this is, this is something special. This is something different. And then was there a moment where it was like, shit, you know, like this is really good. Well, okay. So that's a really, that's a, I mean, that's a great question. Um, I have a weird answer to that though, because the things that really excite me, the things that really excite me are things that um, I feel like a lot of readers wouldn't care about or wouldn't necessarily be looking for. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to, okay, here's the best way I can describe it. You know, when you hear about comedians playing to the back of the room, have you heard that phrase before? I think so. What it means is like what they're doing in, in their standup, in the joke that they're telling is something that is above and beyond what the audience might appreciate. But the comedians, the other comedians who are standing in the back of the room Mm -hmm. listening, it's really for them. And that's frowned upon a lot of times because it's it's kind of pretentious. And mm-hmm. also it's like you're trying to make people laugh. You're not trying to be like beloved by your fellow, you know, contemporaries. But although I would argue that most creators have that aspect in them as well. It's what I just was talking about, about from the jealousy standpoint, right? The things in Invincible that pulled me in and, and the fact that I, I set it aside, I don't even remember how many years ago that was, probably six, seven years ago. Wow. It is not an indictment on the fact, like, like I've heard you guys talk before about how, like, the Omni-Man reversal um, or twist at an issue, what is it, seven, eight, that he did it? Yeah. He kills them in seven. seven. Yeah. The twist in seven is is the thing that people are like, oh, wow. You know, and I totally, sure, I, I'm, I'm, I agree. But at the same time, I have a little bit of a different perspective because I knew there were 144 issues of this fucking book. And I know people love this book. So there's a lot of there's a long runway. I'm going to give a book like that if I'm committed to like I'm going to read this run that everyone talks about. And I know it lasted long enough to that point with the same art team. Like 
I, I don't, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to, I'm going to read at least, you know, 30 some issues. Um, so I was, I was committed anyway, mm-hmm. the stuff that pulled me in and then weirdly it, it was like the technical stuff that was for me playing in the back of the room. Um, and I'll, I can describe that in a second. That's the stuff that made me smile. And then like, I lowered my guard because I was able to go like, this is really good. Like on a technical level, this is really, really well made. And, I mean, the number of comics I read where I'm counting panels per page as I'm reading, it means I'm not, I'm not engaged. You know, like something's yeah. bumping for me or something's, you know. Um, but at a certain point, I was able because I was able to recognize very quickly, like, oh, this is really good. Um, it did something for me where I lowered that kind of um, little bit of cynicism guard, and then I was able to just kind of like. Just go along. For Be the a ride. fan. Be a fan yeah, of it. Exactly. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. And so those little things, though, I am I am obsessive about when I write or I work in because I work I've worked in video games. I've worked. Um, I haven't really done much TV. I've, I've done a little bit. Um, I write features. Like I write comics. I direct. Whatever medium you're working in, you need to play to the strengths of that medium. So like on my Batman Beyond run, and I, I do this in a lot of comics, I, I really like doing villains that, are, that have sound-based sound powers. Like because Shriek? Like Shriek. Fuck so, yeah, man. So in the Batman Beyond run, Shriek was a, is, in my comic in particular, we did things where he like makes Terry go deaf at a certain point. Yeah. And so we just did these balloons that were empty. Cool. So yeah. good. I fucking remember reading that, dude. And it was yeah. so fucking awesome. Yeah, Thanks, that was man. awesome. But, and so, like, that's a gag you can only do in a comic. I have this villain oh, in, in Cowl named Doppler who reworks sound into different types of energy. So someone crinkles up a newspaper. He crinkles up a newspaper, and that crinkle sound effect, Rod Reese warps and distorts into an explosive, you know, concussive force, right? Um, a, 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 a thing, a character is running and the clop, clop, clop sound effect, Rod took it and he took the O from the clop and wrapped it around the guy's ankle to trip him. Huh. And, then, and then later, at a certain point, a character says, oh my, oh, thank God. And Doppler reaches into the word balloon and grabs the letter D and hits the character in the face <laughs> with it. That's okay. fucking awesome. It's again, again like... And and it's not the same. I mean, it's a little different. But you did a, a really awesome, uh, you know, audio audio gag in Power Rangers that we talked about, which I don't want to spoil because TJ's still reading it. But like, oh, that yeah. that was so, that was that was smart. That's not the first time I've done that gag. Yeah, that I did. I did that gag in Batman Beyond at the end of the first chapter of Batman Beyond, where the whole if you've watched the show, you're conditioned to think that the voice that you're hearing in Terry's earpiece, his Batman earpiece, is Bruce Wayne, because yeah, they right. did three seasons of that. And the twist at the, the end of my first chapter of Batman Beyond is that, oh yeah, that voice you've been hearing this whole first issue, it's actually Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson. Yeah. So good! Again, <laughs> gag, it's a gag you can only do in comics, because yeah. you don't have an audio performance right. for someone. You know, you're playing off of people's expectations. So Robert is, so I'm, I, I love stuff like that, I'm also um, very obsessive and meticulous about my page turn reveals. Um, oh, yeah. the, a page turn reveal is the only true reveal you have in a comic, because whatever's on the whatever's on an even page is going to be on the left, and it'll usually, I mean, unless you're doing Marvel DC and they slot ads in weird places, which used to um, really frustrate me. But 
I've gotten over it over the years because I know in trade paperback it'll be collected properly. Yeah. But um, whatever's on the left-hand side is going to be a true reveal. Mm -hmm. Whatever's on the right, your eye is naturally going to kind of wander over and see. Mm -hmm. So if you can if you can do it, it's best to do your big reveals on on that actual page turn. Yeah. And Robert's really, really, really good at it. He also does things. He was also doing things where like characters would do something or say something and I wouldn't understand it. And then two pages later, a character would say something or do something and it would explain retroactively what I just saw two pages earlier that didn't, that I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. That's really, really hard yeah. to pull off. You, really the, hard to pull off. So you did, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that this is probably what you're talking about, but you did, um, that short film, the shadow hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it starts with him recording on that thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, what, like, is that just like part of his thing? And then you find out what he's actually doing. And I'm like, oh, it's fucking awesome. Like, yeah. oh, thank you. It's, yeah. Yeah. That's the stuff that I, yeah. that I, I really love. So when mm -hmm. I see, when I see a book where a creator is in total command of it, um, of, of the medium, I'm like immediately sucked in, you know? And again, like some of that is like playing to the back of the room. But mm -hmm. then once I'm able to go like, oh, no, they're really good. They're really good. Yeah. It does something for me where it's like it just lowers my cynicism. And I'm just like, I just want to enjoy this because I'm I'm witnessing someone really, really great here. It's yeah. like you hear stories about um, the first time Jimi Hendrix played in London, I want to say, was like at a bar at like four o'clock in the morning. And, and it was like it was like empty except for like Paul McCartney and a few people <laughs> like and this is. This is in the 60s, right? <clears throat> and Paul, I think, I don't know if Clapton was there or not, but Paul McCartney was definitely there. So, like, you're playing, like, Paul McCartney is hearing this guitar player go and goes, who's no one, and is like, yeah, he's really fucking good. Like, that's the, you know, like, mm -hmm. that's the thing that, like, I think you can, we all can, we can recognize that as creators. Like, yeah. when someone's really doing something special or really on their game, you're mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I'm here for it, you know? And and, and I think that, it, go ahead, TJ. I, I was I I think that we can see that in Radiant Black too because um, from from your work, like I, going back to what we were talking about with the dialogue, I whenever Nathan, the main character, talks to somebody else, like talks to a friend, it feels like Mark is talking to William. It, it has that same kind of feel mm -hmm. um, when he's talking to his father, stepfather. He's it feels like him talking to Omni Man. It has all those same kind of feels and like the, the action in it. Um, it. It is very, like Kirkman says, if you like Invincible, like you're going to like this book hundred percent. And there is a flying gag in issue one. That was, I saw total, that too, by the way, total, mm -hmm. um, total accident. Like I did it before I read Invincible. And then yeah. when I read Invincible, I smiled with William. Um, I smiled yeah. and I was like, okay, that actually works. And you know what? I don't know which version you guys read, but they got, they got the updated one. You got the updated one yeah. because um, one of the cool things Robert also said in his email was like um, there was a previous version of issue one um, that um, actually Kurt um, uh, Busick read and gave me a bunch of notes on. And they were great notes. And it was like it, they were all lettering changes. But I was I had run into this problem where um, the main character was less interesting than the best friend. 
in the first issue. And it was by it was by design based on where the main character was starting from. And we should probably explain what the set of a rating. Oh, yeah. What is this is. comic that we're talking but, about for half an hour now? <laughs> <laughs> but um, before we do that, uh, so so I like in in I knew what he was talking about. And it was like, OK, if I can get more texture, texture for Nathan, the main character and be a little more specific in what his situation is. It's and I had a way to I, I, yeah, I don't want to spoil too much here, but like I, I figured out I was like, OK, I know how to do this. And one of the things I did was this flying moment. I added this word balloon burst. Um, and Robert in his email a few weeks ago, he was like, you know, I even went back and, and checked this. I don't even think I told him that Kurt had given me that there was a new version. I guess Eric must have. And he was like, uh, I went back and read the Kurt, the pre-Kurt Busick notes version as well. And he's like, and I like all the updated one stuff, except for this one thing mm -hmm. in the flying thing. And he was like, because if you do a balloon there, it feels real cavalier as opposed to there might be some time it's that passage passes. Of time. Mm -hmm. And he was 1000% right. And this is exactly what I was talking about. I mean, I had that thought. That's the crazy thing is like, so, even when I added the balloon, I had the thought that it feels like it's a boom, 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 as opposed to like, oh, this could be like 30 seconds from now or a few minutes from now or whatever. And I, and I thought, well, I think the excitement I get from the balloon outweighs the um the potential like offhandedness that it it becomes you know mm -hmm. as a moment and robert like like a surgeon like zeroed in on it immediately and he was like it's better without it because of this well i guess maybe should should i describe what this book is before yes. we go any further yeah, yeah like i guess if you're still listening like you're you're fucking we'll, in uh, at we'll, this point but... we'll uh we'll make a point to uh before we we insert this interview we'll make a point to say that <laughs> that we talk about what it is a little sure. bit later in so radiant black is my new image book um and it is uh it's coming out we just announced it a week and a half ago i want to say and it'll be coming out february 10th 2021 and it has been described as uh Power Rangers meets Invincible. I also saw a comp of like Green Lantern meets Spider-Man, which I was like, I mean, I guess, but isn't that just Kyle Rayner? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's I would describe it as um, it, it's a it's a superhero book for right now, um, and it is and it is. Um, it's very much in the kind of millennial spider archetype um, with some of the more interstellar cosmic and soulful scope of like a like a Japanese tokusatsu series, like like a Super Sentai or an Ultraman or a Kamen Rider. So it, it is definitely a Western superhero book, like make no mistake, but I would say it has some kind of like tokusatsu flair. And the fact that I did I did Power Rangers for three years, like I really built that book, that that brand for Boom. And um, I did the first thirty some issues of that, plus Shattered Grid, plus I directed a live action promo for it, and then I also wrote the video game, and um, I helped coordinate, you know, a live RPG game um, tied into the Shattered Grid events. Um, and then from there, you know, I'm doing Ultraman right now for Marvel. So like that kind of, um, you know, kind of toku flair is, is something that I have a bit of experience with now. Um, 
And again, to what we were just talking about a little while ago, as far as like finding things to be a fan of, like some of those, like some of those series like Ultraman and, and some Kamen Rider and, and some Sentai as well. Like those are things that I had never experienced before I got into, uh, before I was writing Power Rangers. I mean, I was aware of them for mm-hmm. sure. And I, I knew since I was a kid that Power Rangers was utilizing Japanese footage for a lot of its action stuff, but I didn't have any interest in like trying to dive down that that very deep rabbit hole. Um, but now that I have, uh, and I haven't really dove that deep to be totally honest, but like the stuff I have watched and gotten into, like it's really, really cool to find stuff that is quite a bit different than what we kind of typically think of as, as superheroes here mm-hmm. in America. And, and that's been really fun just as a fan again, you know? So, um, uh, so anyway, so the book follows a main character named Nathan Burnett, who's just turned 30 and shit's not really going well. <laughs> He's, uh, the, the first page of, of issue one is the most existentially terrifying splash page I've ever written. And it is a close up of a phone screen and it's his, a bank, his bank account balances and he has a checking account with like $46.98 and a credit card with like $38,000 of debt on it. And there's a word balloon coming from the phone and it says, I'm sorry, Mr. Burnett, uh. but unfortunately, unfortunately, your loan application has been denied. <laughs> and he's like in this argument with the bank as he's driving going like, like, can you just give me a few thousand dollars? And like, well, like your debt to income ratio, like until you get your income up and he's like i wouldn't need a loan if i could get my income up yeah and <laughs> and basically by page uh by page four he's moving back in with his parents yeah and he is trying to be a novelist he's he <laughs> loves raymond chandler um like he loves james elroy he has had this kind of romanticized idea of being a like crime fiction author in los angeles for kind of his whole life, which we'll get into as the series goes on. And, um, and it just hasn't, it hasn't worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, uh, he discovers a miniature black hole. Uh, he, along with his, um, small doses, uh, best friend who never left their hometown. Um, they discover after a night of drinking this miniature black hole that, you know, transforms Nathan into the title character of the series, um, radiant black, uh, though he's not named yet yeah. um which is is a thing yeah um it's, it's definitely a scene that's coming um okay. that I, I actually just wrote it so uh it's I, it's it's a it's a it's an entertaining one especially if you like uh marshall <laughs> the uh the small doses best friend mm-hmm. the so. the smile not to interrupt you kyle but the the smile on your face as you're talking about these reveals it it it's 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 cool it's nice because you seem like you're a fan like and you're excited about this in a way What's that coming. like yeah and and I well just, it's I just been, like... thanks man I, I i am i mean that's that's the thing like the way the book even came about was um eric reminded me recently that i guess we talked about original superhero stuff like in 2015 but i don't really remember that i also had like my life fell apart in 20 16 after a breakup so like that period's a little (laughs) a little hazy um in general um it was actually after that breakup that i ended up moving back to my hometown um just as a coincidence because i was traveling and then i stopped there coming back from from europe and my parents are both older and 
retired and and every time I'd been back home since I left after college I grew up in Illinois and you know I live in Los Angeles now but like every time I was back home since college I always thought to myself like one day when I have time I'm going to come back and spend like a big chunk of time here and then suddenly you know I'm back there and I was only supposed to be there for like 3 days and I like there was this like feeling of calm that I had eating oatmeal with my dad actually <laughs> with and, raisins with raisins yeah um <laughs> I sent him that issue. Uh, this is going to make no sense for anyone. Yeah, anyway, exactly. It's okay. Um, I'm excited to hear about it. I, di- I did send him that issue, and he texted me back, and he's like, I guess I need to be more careful when I talk around you. You might be listening or something like that. <laughs> um, there's some definite dad lines in there that, like, I could – like, my sister laughed pretty hard when I told told her a few of them yeah. um, that are in the book because it's, like, straight up our dad or – they're not things our dad has said, but there are things that like our dad probably should say, you know, just based on his personality. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, and I just realized like, wow, like I, I don't have anywhere I need to be. And like that time is right now. And I ended up staying for like three months and it was, it was awesome because it was very, it was very, it, it was a really great way to heal from something that was like a real kind of, I'm not going to lie. It was a very tragic event in my life tragic not that anyone you know died but like you know you think you're planning a life with someone and you move in together and then they come home out of nowhere and they've changed their mind and suddenly you have nowhere to live you know it's like one of those so um so that period's a little blurry but what did happen is as i was doing power rangers i started thinking more and more about like i want to build something on my own and um i'd had this idea about doing something potentially like slightly dystopian um that would only be like a six issue thing but it would have been kind of like the lord of the rings for something like a power rangers or a sentai or 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 a what a whatever where it's like the story is taking place centuries after heroes and things like that and um like i said it's just gonna be like this limited series thing um and then in october of last year like after new york comic-con you know, Eric Stevenson and I were texting and, and he's like, oh, by the way, he's like, have I ever talked to you about um, like doing an original superhero? And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, not a not a Batman, you know, analog or anything like that, but like something contemporary and new. And I was like, I would kill to do that. But is there a market for that? And we kind of talked through it and talked through the points. And I was like, I just started thinking about it more and more. And it was like, well, this 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 like dystopian thing had like i i had the miniature black holes and i had the the name radiant black and i had all of these cool world building aspects and i because i built out what had would have happened the 200 years in the past and it was like why don't if we just do it if i do it straight and the idea of like a kid who is 30 now as opposed to a teenager getting powers and what it's actually like being our age in the current in this state of the world, and this is not having anything to do with the pandemic. I'm just saying like, you know, the, the, the promise and the path that was sold to us, I think we're probably all about the same age, like the promise and the path mm-hmm. that was sold to us of like, you know, you graduate high school and you go to college and then, you know, you start a family, you, you get married, you start a family, you buy a house, you have this career 20 years, whatever, like that's not real anymore. Um, 
or or it is it is for some people you know yeah. but it's not nearly as guaranteed or mm-hmm. or um attainable as it as it used to be i mean the idea like the rise of the gig economy and you know freelance life and things like that the, there has been a big um proliferation of that over the last 15 years you know 10 years and so just like looking at like I know a lot of people who've, who've had to move back in with their parents and you know like I said I did for a couple months as well and and so I was just looking at like well that does feel like something um, and debt that's a thing we don't talk about like as a society like it's uncomfortable and, and, and it feels like there's stigma around it and we're embarrassed you know and I just basically decided, you know what? I'm going to write about all the shit that terrifies me. <laughs> I love that and, too, because like when you when you first start writing a book, <clears throat> I feel like all superheroes and and things like that they they typically always have to start out at like 16 to 18 years old. They're always teenagers. Mark Grayson was a teenager when yeah. he started out, and then they get older as they go, and then they grow as they mature. They're obviously their character matures, but I like that. Nathan, the main character in uh, Radiant Black, starts out, he's 30 years old, he's already an adult and going through the same issues that we're having. And I think that's smart, too, because the comic book fandom and comic comic book readers, they're, I feel like they're getting older and older. And like when I go to Comic-Cons, I, I go to tons of Comic-Cons a year, um, and they're all people around my age, and I'm 33. So mm-hmm. it, it, I think I love that, that I can relate to him more Mm-hmm. as a 30 year old than somebody who's like 16 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean it, it's a really tricky like balancing act because ideologically um the like making a book for younger readers is something i believe in and it's something that kind of every creator to a certain degree believes in but there's also this argument of like hey like young readers just aren't there anymore. Like, um, YA is a different, you know, story. I, I, what I'm really talking about is like kind of big two superhero books. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but I do know that I did, like I said, I did three years of Power Rangers and I'm really, really proud of the work I did there. And I got to meet a lot of really amazing fans and, and readers who weren't fans but wanted to try it out because they liked the show as a kid or fans who didn't read comics but were willing to try it out because they liked Power Rangers. And that cuts across age demographics, though it did skew a bit older. Mm-hmm. Like it definitely skewed like 25 to, to 40, 25 to 35, 25 to 40. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say like I'm, I'm specifically writing this book for only us of this age, you know, but... Right. I do think like our generation, there is something a little unique there. My my ex used to call it, and I, I think she may have gotten this from someone, but I don't remember where. My ex used to call it um, the Oregon Trail generation. <laughs> she's she's I'm 35 and she's four years older than me. And, and she was like, if you're old enough to remember walking into a classroom and dying of dysentery <laughs> on the Oregon Trail, you're not a millennial. Like. We are this weird little pocket we are this generation. Yeah, mm-hmm. her even more so than me. Um, and even though that's only four years, like the fact that I don't like we didn't have the internet until I was fourteen. I want to say. Yeah, I like we, I high school. I mean, yeah, we 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 went up to high school without internet. You know, like that wasn't a thing really. 
we remember that transition. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like I can leave my phone behind. I went back to I went back home. I went back to Chicago for Christmas last year for ten days. I left my phone in L.A. Yeah. And like all of my friends, my everyone was like, "You're crazy. What are you doing?" And I was like, "No, I want to. I want to do this. Like, I hate that I'm addicted to this thing." Yeah. And I want to see what that feels like again. And it was great. There was this moment where I was um, I was with my aunt and uncle and we were having like this long conversation and I was supposed to meet my friends at like a bar actually pretty nearby where my aunt and uncle lived. And I was late, yeah. and, which is kind of part of the course for me in, in a lot of <laughs> a lot of aspects of my life. But um, but I was late and it was like t- five minutes late and then 10 minutes late. And at a certain point, I was like a half hour late. And I remember driving leaving and driving over and thinking to myself like well maybe they they may not be there anymore but at the same time like there's nothing i can do about this yeah and it's just okay like it just is like i and suddenly i remembered like meeting like in high school junior high and 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 whatnot like before cell phones like hey let's meet at the mall on sunday at three and we're gonna go see this movie and so you wait around and like at 2:55, if like people aren't there, you you just go see the movie without them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then like you see them at school the next day, they're like, "Oh, sorry, I couldn't." You know, whatever yeah. happened or whatever, it just wasn't a big deal. And it was acceptable. Right. It, there, yeah. Now, mm-hmm. now it feels as though there's this like baked-in concern of like, well, they're not responding. I mean, well, maybe this happened. Well, maybe this happened. Have you tra- have, right. have you texted them? Did you call them? Like, maybe call their friend. Are they with them? Maybe you know. What I mean, like, there's this, yeah. And I, I, heard and I, thought I, I thought I was being really smart because I left like, you know how you like when you're driving like on an iPhone, like you can you can set it up to like an auto message will yeah. send someone. So I like I just rewrote that auto message to say like, hey, I'm back, you know, I don't have my phone. I'm back to Chicago. Here's my you know parents house number. If you really need to get a hold of me, otherwise email me. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like all good. And except that I plugged my phone in so it would last for 10 days. But by plugging it in, it auto-updated and restarted. And so that message just never was yeah. there for anyone. So I came back to like 46 text messages going like, are you alive? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Were you, saying, were you saying something, TJ? Uh, I was just saying, I heard a story about how uh, the singer Ed Sheeran decided to go a year without a cell phone. And he, after the year was up, he said, I liked it so much that I just I I don't I'll never have a phone again. He doesn't have a cell phone. I mean, I got off the same time that I went home without my phone. I like I got rid of all my social media, Facebook, everything. Yeah. I did reactivate, you know, Twitter and Instagram like during the pandemic because it was just like, yeah, hey, this is hard enough as it is right now. I live alone with right, a cat, right. and it's like, <laughs> you know, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I didn't reactivate reactivate my Facebook until um, about a month ago because of a Kickstarter that I was doing. And our publicist was like, what do you mean you don't have a Facebook? <laughs> like, you need to start that shit like right now if oh, you wanna I make the that. goal. And I was like, oh. So after, you know, having not had it for like 10 months, I reactivated it. I can't, I don't understand. It's, it's, it's I, always been awful. It, but it, having like, got, it, it's like, it, it almost feels like when people describe after they've stopped eating sugar for a long time and then they try it again, they're like, Oh God, it's too, yeah. it's so intense. Looking at Facebook, I was like, wow, this is like, clearly this is like the it's just 20th evolved. iteration yeah. to like, just keep dopamine hitting you 
like to in the most efficient way possible because I can't like all these buttons. I don't. It's like I don't want anything to do with this. Yeah, I stopped using it years and years ago, and and I had to get back on just this past week for something work related, and it was a mess. It's such a pain to to figure out. I know. Uh, I I want to bring up before we get too much further from it. Uh, uh, a fun coincidence with um, the hometown that Radiant Black takes place oh, yeah. in. I uh, uh, the last like major trip that Katie and I, my wife and I took. Um, in the summer of 2019 was we went to uh, Chicago and because mm-hmm. we had never been before. We stayed with a, a cousin of mine in a small town outside of Chicago. And I thought that it was cool because that small town was named Lockport, which is the same, <laughs> which is the same small town. Well, it's the same name of the small town that I currently work in in Western New York, Lockport. So I oh, work wow. in I work in Lockport, New York, and we stayed in a Lockport, New York outside Chicago. And I thought that was or sorry, a Lockport, Illinois, outside of oh, Chicago. Yeah. And I thought that was so cool. Cute little town, railroad tracks, went into a comic shop, yep. found an invincible number three. I even I yep. t- tweeted about that a while ago um, and uh, and just thought nothing else of it until reading this issue. And it takes place in Lockport, Illinois. And it was just really, really cool. And uh, what's that, Bill? Is that your home? Is that your hometown, too, Kyle? It is. Yeah, it's um, it, it's the bar that Nathan and Marshall uh, drink at is definitely a bar that I have written comic book issues in and, <laughs> That's drink, awesome. and drink at. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what, you know, actually the, the, this is a coincidence that seat where they're sitting in issue one, uh, in that bar, Nathan and Marshall, mm-hmm. I was sitting in that seat a year ago when I was rewriting, doing the last rewrite on the shadow hours feature script. And I was, it was, I was redlining it cause I didn't have my phone or anything like I was like, I printed it out when I was back home because I, I got like, I got like notes, like final notes, like on December 20th as I was flying back to Chicago. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we want to move on this like in January. So I like just did the rewrite by hand over 10 days, which was awesome. I just carried a script around yeah. with me like everywhere. <laughs> and it's not like LA where everyone's like, oh, so you're a writer. What do you really do? And it's like, Chicago, <laughs> like, you're a writer, really? And it's like, oh, why don't I live here? You know? Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so so Lockport, um, technically Lockport's not my hometown. I actually grew up in Homer Glen, which is right next to Lockport. But up until I was, God, I don't know, nine years old, eight years old, um, our mailing our our mailing city was Lockport, mm-hmm. and then it it changed to Homer Glen at some point. I don't know, it became a municipality or whatever. But I went to Lockport High School and. And they literally are like they're right next to each other. So like that's Lockport is for all intents and purposes like Lockport's my hometown. Yeah. That comic book store is I've been going to that store. It was in a different location. It was in two other locations when I started going to it. It's been there for um, I mean, since I was 13, I'm 35 now. So I've known Joe who runs it an Amazing Fantasy. uh, I'm sorry, in Moonstone, which is a publishing company like since i was a kid mm-hmm. and and the fact that joe and and those guys had a publishing company and were making comics was like a huge thing to me mm-hmm. like i'm in lockport illinois and i'm like wait you can make comics and not live in new york or live in los angeles where entertainment just has seemingly has to be yeah. um like that it was like oh maybe, i guess i could maybe do this you know like it, it, it definitely had an impact on me yeah one uh one question I want to bring up that was asked on Twitter by at uh, DJ Boy I think uh, says how much time out of costume life is uh, takes place in it and uh, 
and also is this the first superhero in this world and um i mean just within the first two issues uh i really like and that's what i was getting at with the hometown and his friend and you're gonna see his you know his family and get to know them and even the local police like there's there's yeah there's a lot out of costume yeah yeah there's a lot out of costume um i was actually right before we jumped on to record this i was walking uh just doing a quick walk in my neighborhood uh, masked and socially distant, uh, responsibly, I should add. Uh, but, uh, I was thinking about a scene that I want to write and I don't know where to do it. Um, in what issue, but I, I was like, Oh yeah, I could, that's going to be, that's going to be good. <laughs> Cause it's, um, it's something out of costume and it's specific to the writing career. Um, but it also remixes something that happened to me um and that's kind of the that's kind of the 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 thing with the book like when i decided to do this and and we decided once eric was like you know an original superhero contemporary superhero like for me it was like well this is it like this is what i've spent 10 years um preparing for you know like all the superhero comics i've written over the years and i haven't written really that many uh, comparatively to other you know, big, uh, to other superhero writers, but, um, but I've written, I've written way more than I ever thought I would ever be capable of writing. And so it's like, okay, I know, I know what I like and I know what I want to do, but now I really want a core that a foundation that I could grow with. Mm -hmm. Like in one of the things I love about early image superheroes is that those characters aged like for the first however many years, especially like those characters aged in real time, mm -hmm. like Savage Dragon is actually not Savage Dragon anymore. It's his son who stars in the book. And I love that. You know, mm -hmm. I love that anything can happen. And um, and so I just started thinking like, OK, if I'm going to build this out, blue sky approach, um, especially then once Ultraman was was announced and the reaction with with retailers and with fans was very, very positive. And it was it was such a direct line from, oh, the guy who did Power Rangers or like built the Power Rangers brand is now doing Ultraman for Marvel. I was surprised at how quickly that narrative took hold with mm -hmm. retailers. And I guess it just goes to show like when you're doing the work, you're kind of in a bubble and you're not you're like, I hope people read this, you know, like you don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but within the industry, especially like you know, for a while when I was doing Rangers, like there'd be editors from, from Marvel DC. They're like power Rangers. You do. Oh, Oh, I didn't know that was a book. And it's like, motherfucker, we sold 130,000 issues last <laughs> month. Like, fuck you, I didn't know that was a book. Like we beat everything, but Batman, um, you know? So it's like, but so there was a little bit of that feeling I had where I was like, I don't know that anyone's gonna, you know, care. Um, and then when Ultraman was announced, it was like, Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. Kyle's doing this and like every, and that took hold and it was like, wow, that's okay. That's awesome. And it's even more awesome that like we're building radiant black that is in that same kind of genre mm -hmm. um, or subgenre, I would say spirit. And so it was like even more important to me where I was like, I want this to last. And so I am going to build a foundation here where I think I said this at the start of the podcast, like this is not a book about me, but there's a lot of me in this book. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely by design, because yeah. if I am lucky enough to be able to keep writing this for, you know, 10 years from now, I don't want to I don't want to like hate the, the foundation or the format that I that I created. You know, yeah, um, I heard Jerry Seinfeld talk once about 
um, about his show about the, uh, Seinfeld and how it was like time to end it. And I think you, I don't remember if he was talking to, I think he might've been talking to Dave Chappelle or maybe it was Steve Martin, but he was talking about how he didn't think the show, like the show was that the way they built the show was very, very specific and it didn't lend itself in his opinion to evolving mm -hmm. with him. Mm -hmm. And it, I thought that was a really unique perspective, you know, because you think mm -hmm. about it and so much of, of Seinfeld, they never get, none of them end up really, none of them end up married. Susan dies, you know, <laughs> like spoiler alert. Um, but <laughs> none of them end up married. None of them end up, they're all still in the same, you know, apartments and everything. Like it very much is the illusion of change. Yeah. And it's like, how long would that have, like, could, could the show have survived? Like, and now they're living in the Hampton Hamptons or, or mm -hmm. Jerry moves to the suburbs and starts a family. And it's like, probably not, you know, mm -hmm. but with, with something like Radiant Black, like I think with this foundation, it absolutely can grow and ebb and flow and change as hopefully I do. Mm -hmm. And Marcelo does mm -hmm. like the whole team. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, do you, go ahead. I, I'm, I'm stuck on this thing that I heard you say um, when you, like you had the found you had the idea of Radiant Black before it was like someone came to you and said, "Hey, you want to do an original superhero book?" Right. And it took place 200 years in the future. Right. So is that potentially go? I don't know if this is if you're allowed to say or not, but is that like an idea? An My idea, book, an idea I can say whatever the have? fuck I want. All right, well then, fuck it. So is that how it's gonna? <laughs> like, are we gonna see 200 years in the future? Like, is is do you have that kind of big scope in mind for this book? Like, because I think it's awesome where it starts and where it could fucking go. Yeah, I mean, yes. The short answer is yes, but it's not. It's not. I have a lot of world building figured out, but the way that I approach world building is I only really, I really only usually world build as much as I need to. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not gonna pull a Tolkien and, <laughs> you know, spend twenty pages describing the the shape of trees. You know. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I do think with something like this, um, you know, Matt groom and I doing Ultraman together, we really built out, um, we built out something that is like, okay, here's a pitch for, you know, some insane amount of issues. And we built out, here's what each arc would be. Here's how it would work in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. And so much of that was also because there's a licensor involved in Subaraya. And so some of the asks that we're making and maybe, you know, this first story arc, we want to show like why they're important asks mm -hmm. and how we want to pay them off later. And that really just comes out of experience. Matt, Matt works for a design company called for the people in Australia, an amazing design firm. And so Matt builds brand narratives. Um, he deals with high-end clients quite a bit and helping build their story. And so he's got a lot of experience there as far as like anticipating like, okay, if we could give the whole vision, that's going to help, you know, across the board um, for even if we never get to that vision or if that vision doesn't get approved or the book doesn't keep going, you know, we don't know. Um, but uh, I, on the, and, and the other part is like, I had a lot of ex experience doing that on Rangers and especially building what became Shattered Grid, which like, you know, Michael behind the scenes helped me like build this Excel spreadsheet that I talked about across podcasts for <laughs> years now where I had the spreadsheet of 200 plus Power Rangers and where <laughs> they all were 
at what point in the story. So I could keep track of like, okay, who's dead? Whose powers does Draken have? Who have I turned into sentries? Have we seen those sentries? What needs to be designed? Who's still available for this? You know, and and so so I have quite a bit of experience building out at that scale. And I learned I also learned a lot from from Scott Snyder, just like when we were both on the bat books together and watching how he built events. That said, there is a part of me that really, really likes almost to like an addictive level. Um, not being firm on what's coming next. Like Mark Wade doesn't outline anymore. Mark Wade is also a genius, like a story genius. He, his whole Daredevil run, I, he didn't outline any of it. Like he just like every issue it was like, how do I get out of this one? Well, that's next. <laughs> that's my, that's next month's Mark problem, you know. Um, and and he really flourishes creatively in that kind of like a little bit of like organized chaos and I, I do embrace some of that now you know um and that's actually where i think some of kurt's notes with, with issue one were coming from is i knew enough of what i needed nathan's setup to be and the background to be to get things going and kurt was looking for more specificity and he was right but i and i had to like check myself because i was like okay I, there is a difference between like knowing it and and committing to it and sometimes committing to it um, earlier is is for sure better you know mm-hmm. but I, I I also have this part of me that's like well I don't want to like I don't want to commit too fully because I might change my mind or we might come up with a better version of that idea or you know that payoff or how to spin that out. So I always like to leave myself like st- I call them story outs. I like to leave outs so that if I need to pull the ripcord, it's like oh I can maneuver hmm. you know pretty seamlessly. That means not being as firm on certain things that as Michael would like who I keep mentioning editor and designer, uh, not being as committed and firm as Michael would like me to be. <laughs> so. Um, so it's this kind of like back and forth conversation about like, so, so like, when are we doing this, Kyle? And I'm like, I'm not sure yet because I want to mm-hmm. see how, I mean, think about Robert's story about um, the, uh, the Omni-Man twist. And he wanted originally to do that at like issue 24, 25, yeah. you know, um, you know, I'm not crazy like that. I'm, I'm not going to save my best shit for like <laughs> two years from now. Mm-hmm knowing just what the market is is like and i've done creator owned books i've done five of them now and it's like none of them lasted the longest one was cowl it lasted to issue 11. so you know i know you gotta lead you gotta lead big yeah um but i do like having that flexibility uh, at the same time so the super long-winded answer to your question bill is that I do have that stuff figured out. The 200 years in the future stuff, I do have figured out for sure. <sighs> how do I want to describe this though? Um, Is that that that's just not we... the point right now though? That's not the story mm-hmm. right now. It's like that 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 well, can happen. That there's something there when and if you ever get to it, like there's a but path. Also how, but how? But also, but how mm-hmm. do we depict and explore it? Mm-hmm. Because you know we're. <sighs> I don't want to. I want to say it, but I don't want to. No, say no, it. no! Don't, don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> so I'm not going to say it. But, but what I will say is that um, the 
the thing that I cracked that I'm really, really excited about, and I don't think this spoils anything. The thing that I cracked that I'm really excited about was something that I struggled with on Power Rangers. And it was never a problem on Rangers, except for the fact that I didn't know how to, I didn't, it's like if I had decided to try to do what I'm about to say, I didn't quite know how to do it. Um, and that is that once a story goes cosmic or across dimensions, like Power Rangers did, it's really hard to go back to the the high school click drama. Mm-hmm. Like you just expanded the scope exponentially. Like how do you go back to, yeah. you know, it, it's that line from the, the that last Spider-Man movie where he's like, you know, what's the Sam Jackson line? Bitch, you've been to space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're not a friendly neighborhood anymore, you know? Yeah. And that's some, that's a real thing. It's like, oh, how do you... And it, so when if you guys have read my Power Rangers, like, there is a certain point where, like, the high school stuff goes away as we get into alternate timelines, as we get into the big mega events. And then Ryan's book, Go-Go, really took this that that role of like telling the high school stories and the and the really interpersonal relationship stories and i mean and the irony did it too. Is that, i mean invincible goes yeah, sure. and then comes back and then it's dealing with the small time villains even if it's for a moment across you know several panels on a splash or something like that where it's up oh, just taking care of the the usual b villains just just you know doing the day-to-day stuff and you know and and the, the thing that i that ryan and i used to laugh about is like um, Daphna, our editor on Ranger, she hired Ryan not knowing that he and I have been like best friends since college and that he, the reason he was writing comics is because I asked him to co-write in the 11th hour some issues of Gates of Gotham with me mm-hmm. while because I was so under deadline and they just gave me Nightwing for the New 52 and it's my dream book. Uh, as you can tell from this Nightwing poster over my shoulder. And um, and I had to call Ryan, and I was like, do you want to write Batman with me? And he was J.J. Abrams' assistant at the time. Huh. And so he was, like, getting someone <laughs> coffee. And he was like, yeah, okay. And I was like, dude, are are you not – did you hear what I just said? Do you want to write Batman with me? <laughs> and finally it, like, clicked after he delivered whatever latte that and scraped the foam off it for whoever. Um, and uh, uh, and so he wrote these issues of Gates of Gotham, and then Bad Robot was like, what do you mean JJ's assistant is writing Batman? <laughs> well, do you want to write some Star Trek comics? Uh-huh. And he was like, do I? <laughs> and Daphne loves Star Trek, and so they met that way. But the irony is that Ryan is one of the – best idea people I've ever met in my life. He's one of the best writers I know too, but he is Mr. Massive Idea, okay? And I tended to be much more like the scene work, like in the interpersonal stuff. Not that he couldn't do it or anything, but that's just like how we naturally gravitated towards stuff, you know? And it's just, which made it super ironic that I ended up writing the fucking biggest, I would argue, Power Rangers story of all time across seasons and generations and dimensions and universes and the whole nine yards and ryan wrote the high school click drama book (laughs) like it's just funny how those things tend to work out you know Mm -hmm. um but now he's running everything and i'm so happy for him but um um to that uh oh man i had some there was a reason i was bringing that up i'm so sorry uh you were just saying uh oh, oh, oh oh yeah invincible did it as well right so the thing I, I settled on, I came up with was if we don't, as readers, if we don't learn about the cosmic unless slash until Nathan does, it means that I can 
still do friendly neighborhood villains yeah. because I can bring in a cosmic threat. And as long as we keep the scope limited to Nathan's point of view, mm-hmm. and we're not telling scenes with those cosmic threats, you know, out in fucking space or as a part of whatever it is, Nathan doesn't know what else is out there mm-hmm. and neither will we. Mm-hmm. So we're not sitting there as readers going like, yeah, but like there's a giant, you know, robot armada. I'm, by the way, I'm not saying maybe that's an idea, Phil. I mean, I don't know. I don't like to. I don't like to commit. You know. I didn't even have my hand raised. I just knew I was going to be like, hey, remember when you said that? Um, but but no, seriously, like it's a. I, I, when I stumbled on it, I was like, oh, that's totally. That's how to do it. Like, because I do have this like, and this is why I don't think it's a spoiler. Like. They're miniature black holes. He finds it in his hometown, like levitating above train tracks, and he touches a miniature black hole and transforms into this, like, you know, superhero. And it's like, well, where the hell did this thing come from? You know, and like, who made it and who wants it back? So it, I'm not like, I'm not spoiling anything to say, like, there's mm-hmm. absolutely a cosmic component mm-hmm. to this, but how he operates on Earth is equally as important and we're trying to do some things um we're trying to do some things that i haven't really seen done in superhero comics before i mean he's basically an uber driver yeah and and that actually plays into some of his super heroics um he's gonna have like i said i alluded to before the radiant black twitter account is gonna be in universe when we want it to be Mm -hmm. and the end of issue one certainly opens up the door you know yeah mm-hmm. so yeah there's a there's a part in issue two as well where it makes sense what you're saying because he he says something um while he's sleeping and i'm not going to spoil anything but yeah. i was like oh i can't i don't i don't know what that is i'm super interested to find out what it is um and i and i i fucking hate when movies do it Nothing loses my interest more than when I know what's going on, but the main character doesn't. I'm just yes. like, why am I even watching this? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, 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 okay, and I can turn it off because I already fucking know about this thing and the main character doesn't. I love going on that journey. Um, if you can write something or if you can create something where you're as interested or more interested in mm-hmm. the characters when they're out of costume, right. you will care that much more about all this other stuff. And that's what I think Invincible does so well is like, yes. When it goes back to him being like, oh, my God, I have to shit because this food is alien. And it's just a scene <laughs> where they're trying to figure out how to fucking toilet works. I'll you tell know, you my favorite like... my favorite invincible thing where, where things when you when you ask, like, where did it grab you? Really? Mm-hmm. This might be a weird one. But um, when uh, who's the dinosaur? Dinosaurus. Dinosaurus. What is wrong with you? I'm off this call. Bye, guys. I already fucking told. I warned Ryan yesterday. I was like, don't grill me. It's it's been a few months. I I don't even recognize people in my neighborhood when I run into them these days. Um, I I once sat next to an ex for like 20 minutes and didn't realize it was her. Uh, So um, anyway, uh, uh, when Dinosaurus blows up, Las Vegas because there's that moment I think it's an issue later right where Mark goes oh my god he was he right, was right. Yeah. yeah and I was like right. really well how are you going to get out of this one Robert mm-hmm. um, and was was the Invincible War before that I think it was the Invincible yeah. War with Angstrom Levy 
like all the yeah. different alternate yeah. dimensions. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, there are so many great moments and gags. I actually felt like the Invincible War was a little under, um, from a concept standpoint, it was a little underutilized. So like, it, when, it, when it happened yeah. it, at the time of it coming out monthly, um, Robert Kirkman's goal was to pack a you know summer-long event into one issue. The goal, oh, the goal that was that was sense. that was the gag of it was like I'm gonna put as much as I can into a single double-sized issue, and you don't need to pick up all these other comics That's to awesome. figure out what to mm-hmm. do, or you don't have to wait month to month to month to find out what happens at the end of this event. That's awesome. This yeah. is. What I loved about that, too, is that it was just like one thing after another and after again, another. Like, as I, soon as yeah. after after that happened, Mark was fucking exhausted. And then yeah. Conquest fucking showed so, up. So like, he's, that's what I wanted to bridge to. But go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just about to say, he, the, the guy that I gave um, Invincible 2 is actually texting me right now. Updates on what he's reading. And, and, and it's exciting. <sighs> but anyways, he I was just talking to him about that because he read that one a couple weeks ago. And I was like, there's a moment in issue 60 in the Invincible War where you don't see Mark for, you know, several panels, yes. maybe a couple pages. And then he's flying away saying, Eve, yes. hold on, hold on, stay yes. with me. Like, awesome. that's the point of that one. It's chaos. It's meant to be. Yeah. So, yeah. I actually had to, I went, I flipped backwards. Yeah. I was like, did yeah. I miss something? Yeah. Um, and there were a lot, and that's kind of like one of the things I was talking about where there were a lot of moments. There were, were a number of moments that Robert did stuff like that. Where and then he recontextualized or explained it a few pages later, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Wow! Like that is that takes a, a, a level of confidence in of storytelling to pull off that is very, very um, admirable." Yeah. And um, the conquest stuff in particular, I, I keep meaning to reread because I thought it was excellent. I thought that whole Good. I don't know how many issues that was, but it's an arc, so six. Yeah, yeah. six. Yeah, that whole fight with conquest is six issues. Yeah, it's yeah. like five, well, well, the, like the invincible, sorry, yeah. the invincible war was also included in that. Wow. In the, uh, yeah. yeah, the conquest stuff I adored, um, and and so there, and and again, like there are things that just on a craft level, like um, that Otley does as well, where it was like um, when when Mark is flying and Angstrom keeps teleporting him during the Invincible War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. And those vertical panels and how he does it, so smart, so great, such a great use of the format of the medium. Um, but then I, I did feel also like I was going to always keep reading, but like I did feel lulls at times because I was binging all at once. Yeah. And I, I like kind of took note of some of those lulls going like, OK, what am I reacting to here? Mm-hmm. Because this is that happens when you're writing an ongoing book. It just does. Yeah. Like on rangers like year two for me was like it was trying to get blood from a stone like from a mm-hmm. narrative standpoint because i was like i knew i had to write shattered grid next and i was like oh my god can we just like go to that stuff like this it's is funny. like hard we, like, we we talked a little bit about that recently on on the oblivion song podcast where mm-hmm. the most recent issue of oblivion song was like because i i know i know how kirkman writes you know when he he, he writes you know not for trades or for collections, but he knows where the, that trade will end. He knows where that collection will end, where that hardcover will end, where that omnibus ends, and all, and so on. And the most recent uh, issue we uh, read and talked about was, um, like, I want to say issue four in a trade. 
or what would be the fourth issue in a trade. And it's like, okay, so we, we've, we've gone somewhere in the beginning of this story. And I, I know that the next two are going to be this huge ramp up because this is what we've kind of led to. So it's that mm-hmm. issue four, like, lull or, or somewhat what you're saying. And, and that, I think that also happens on the grander scale as well, where yep. you know where you're going. You know that yep. we're going to get to the Voltramite War, but we got to get there first. And, and I'm currently in this, but I got to fill those issues. I got to, I got to. Well, yeah. And, di- and the dinosaur stuff for me is where the book it's interesting looking back on it now, knowing how the end came about with Robert going, huh? So maybe I don't want to hand this off to someone. I think I have an ending to me that starts with the dinosaur stuff because that's where the dinosaur stuff to me was where it was like, Hey, I've as just as a creator and I might be totally wrong, but I felt like it was, it was like going as a creator. You're like, okay, I've done so how many issues was that? When is Dinosaurus? When is he? Hundred. Hundred. It ends. No. His well, arc ends at a hundred. You're asking. No, 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 you're no. asking nuking, when? Nuking Vegas. Nuking Vegas. Uh, I want to say that's. Oh no! Uh, seven early seventies, and then. So that's the thing. To to me, it was like I've done seventy some issues of this book, and it's like, what do I do now? Like that would be my thought at that point. And, and then getting into like, okay, if we were going to remake the world, how would we do it? That is a bold as fuck uh, story like choice. Mm-hmm. And he leans into it and then he keeps mm-hmm. going and it, it, there's no one doing, you know, you'll also notice that. And I don't know if he's talked about this and I've never asked him, but, um, you know, there were other image heroes that showed up through Invincible War, yeah. like whenever he needed them. And then at a yeah. certain point. It was like they never show up again, and it truly is its own thing because he's yes. about to remake our world. Yeah, you know, and like I, I'm there for that. I love that. And then on top of that, as it got into um, the thing that really blows me away thinking about it is like, so if that if Dinosaurus's arc ends at around a hundred, there's still 44 issues there. That's like four years. Yeah. yeah. Of, and, and 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 is all the robot stuff after that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that blows my mind because the robot stuff. Yeah. Just that was one. Was that feeling, was one eleven. Robot doing that that takeover was one eleven. So just as I was feeling a little, so between a hundred and a hundred and eleven yep. is probably where I felt the most fatigue. Where and it wasn't bad. I was and just I'm, I'm and, I'm, and I'm sure covers, I'm just like, Robert knew. Okay. Here's the issue one hundred because the issue one hundred yep. is going to be the climax with dinosaurs, which it was. And I know issue one 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 eleven, this thing that he wanted to do was going to be there. Now, in between these two, I got to make sure that the seeds are planted because there were several issues where like something's going on with Robot. Something's going yes. on between him and Monster Girl. They came back. Yeah. Something's not right. And then yep. you that's the lull that you're referring to. That's the point in which mm-hmm. there are certainly things that happened between those within there. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> well, and, and so all of that is like definitely been rattling around in my brain, though, like since I read it all, because to, to build to your earlier question about like the 200 years in the future, like my thing as I've been working on this now is like, OK, there's no guarantee I get more than six issues mm-hmm. with Radiant Black. Mm-hmm. So what do we do narratively? Not only just our best stuff, but like, I don't want to play things safe. And so there are some things we're going to be doing. Um, I'll put it this way. You know, I'll just say it. Uh, issue four, uh, everything changes for real. 
for real. Like, so it's like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to commit to this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and because if you're not swinging big, then what's the point? And, um, you know, talking about like insecurities and things like that, like the announcement and everything that has been going on and we've been building this, all these assets behind the scenes for months, the website, the social graphics with pull quotes, the, the social, you know, accounts, the, the glitch graphics. I animated all those myself for the pre-release announcement. Um, there's some other stuff coming up that we haven't said we're doing that we're doing for FOC. Like there's been a lot and the reaction has been really, really awesome. Mm-hmm. But that's, and, that just makes it that much more scary when you know you're about uh-huh. to blow it up. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, it's not just not that. Saying, yeah. It's also, it's, 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 it's not even that. It's, it's going like, yeah, but is the book good? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like suddenly you're like second guessing everything. You're like, is it gonna, yeah. you know, yeah. let me put it this way. I didn't write the slogan, uh, a superhero series for a new generation. Okay. I didn't write that. Yeah. But that's now our slogan, and I'm like, all right, let's. You have to live up to that. It's like, is the movie is like, it's like, is the trailer better than the fucking movie, right? Yeah. Like, because you've got all this this hype train and stuff like that. So, it's it's I couldn't imagine the amount of stress that you're going through, like, or or anxiety or just angst or like, you know, uncertainty. Honestly, it's okay. It's it's okay. It's it's okay because I have the best thing that ever happened to me in my career was I had a really awful time writing for DC during the New Fifty Two. And it was my all-time favorite character, and I, I was, uh, it was a very complicated time with a lot of politics mm-hmm. and some people that were really shitty to me as well. And also, I was young and learning how to write mm-hmm. while also navigating this really high-pressure dynamic. Yeah. And um, the best thing that happened was I wrote some books that I am not proud of, and they came out, and the sun still came up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, it was I, I, realizing, like, oh... Okay, so that's what that feels like. And oh, wow, you know, 10 years later, I, I, nine years later, whatever, I still have a career. And so I'm not, so I kind of embrace, I kind of embrace that now in a way that it, it doesn't, every once in a while, I'll, I'll definitely get anxious about what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. But um, I put together a really, really good team uh, around me. Uh, and, you know, Marcelo and I are, you know, who, who's our artist and co creator. But then Michael and, and even Matt, you know, uh, groom just from the sidelines, like I have a good team. I'm not I'm not by myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a, and, there's a, yeah. a couple of things I want to say based on sure. what you just said. First of all, when Ryan and Ryan was the one that intercepted your uh, when you first reached out to us and he was talking to us, he's like, um, you know, Kyle Higgins reached out to us. And I'm like, I literally have his Nightwing, uh, <laughs> like his uh, Nightwing issue one sitting uh, on display in my in my dining room. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, dude. Like, I, I, I was pumped when, when you reached out to us, too, because I'm also a fan of, of your work. Oh, um, thanks, man. Going into what you said about Radiant Black and kind of being nervous, we read the first two issues. I have you honestly like I understand because you're so close to it. Obviously, you're creating you're the creator. I personally feel you have nothing to worry about. The first two issues were incredible, and I'm pumped to like dig into like a new superhero, oh, a modern superhero, some someone that I can relate to more. So, and what you were talking about with your team, this is such a like the story is is amazing. 
the look of it is amazing. Yeah. It, I, the, I, I wanted to make sure we brought it, Marcel. Yeah. The art do, is incredible. Can we take, can we take some time to talk about that? Like, do you guys yes. have time? Like, can we talk about? We can, yeah, this I mean, is we, gonna be this is gonna be a two part episode, probably. I can. No. I can. No. <laughs> I was. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking. I'm like, I can break this up, or I could just. You know what? You know, we've done we've done three hour episodes before. We've done three hour yeah. episodes um, before. It'll yeah. be our longest. Okay. But no, the art absolutely is is incredible, and the colors are are insane. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mar- Marcelo is um, the most amazing thing to happen to my life um, in a long time, and um, the, it's 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 very funny to me how the universe works sometimes because Marcelo, I met Marcelo because of an image book that I edited, and it's it's Matt Groom's image book, Self Made. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing the podcast with Matt and Michael, um, this will all come back. When I was doing the podcast with Matt and Michael, um, and I was back home with my family for those three months that I was talking about, um, after, you know, I went to Europe for like five weeks or something like that, because basically I decided to be the most cliched American, uh, at going through a breakup of all time. Uh, and so, uh, I'm back home in Illinois and um, an issue I wrote, like literally two days after the breakup, three days after the breakup, was ready to go to the printer. And it was the Billy-focused uh, one shot of Power Rangers. Yeah. Where the whole time under the suit, the 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 one of the the gag I came up with, the twist is that he's actually morphed the whole time, mm-hmm. and he's trying to. Like, I loved see- that too. That was so Thank sick. You. That's such, such a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, and the thing about it was like, I love the idea that this kid is who is Mr. Logic and Mr. Science. He's always he's afraid mm-hmm. and he is trying to conquer that fear of beca- being a Power Ranger. Now, and what that means, the only way he knows how to by logic and thought processes, right? Like thought ex- or not thought processes, but but via logic and formula. So what's the formula? The formula is like the hero's journey, like the Joseph yeah. Campbell, like hero with a thousand or 10,000 faces. I always mix up if it's a thousand or 10,000 faces, but the Joseph Campbell, like story structure. Mm-hmm. So I love the idea that Billy is like teaching himself story structure so that he can, you know, go through the dark night of the soul and come out, you know, a, a better, more refined hero. And it's not working. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, but I also wrote it going through like a really, really rough, time and so it was a little sparse uh from 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 a dialogue standpoint um and so daphna called me like on like a thursday night and she's like so saban has notes on this they want um they think we should do voiceover and i was like no absolutely not (laughs) and she's like i know she's like i've got your back because we hadn't done voiceover like first person narration at all in the book and I have, I have like, I have like really strong opinions about first person uh, narration. <laughs> we we, um, we had just gone over this with with crossover. Oh, really? We talked recently because of crossover has narration. Yes. Uh, and Bill wasn't a fan. I yeah. So I have, I have, I have opinions on voice yeah. on narration as well, and I think it has to be, it has to do its own thing, and it has to be as compelling on its own for it to be worth doing. God, thank you. And it also, and I think if you do it right, 
it should be telling you something that you're not getting from the arts or telling you something in opposition to what you're seeing in the art. Which like, I like think saga. saga does perfect. Yes. Like oh. Saga, oh. like fucking Saga. Yes. Saga, yes. I mean, just that's, oh, a, yeah. you don't have to say anything. <laughs> like, that book is perfect. That book, that book is perfect. Um, and, and it's that, that combination of that, that magical kind of mixture of Brian and Fiona where um, a, for a book to elicit that kind of emotional reaction, for me anyway, as a reader, there it's, it's just magic. It's alchemy. Because you think about it in comics, you don't have an actor's performance to lean on at all. Like it literally just is words in bubbles with art. Mm-hmm. And and so when you feel something like that is such a testament to the artist mm-hmm. and the combination of the words with juxtaposed with that artwork and the expressions and the acting and Fiona is so fucking good. And you know what? Um, Kirkman and Otley and Corey Walker, too. Um, same way. Like I got I had real like emotional reactions reading some of this stuff because of how well it, it works together. Yeah. And color is a huge thing, too. Uh, I could do fucking 20 minutes on all the different colors on Invincible because um, I'm fascinated by that. Right. Um, and I have opinions on all of them. Um, all oh. good. But, like, I just have opinions on, yeah. like, uh, it was really, really interesting to see. Yeah. And also the costume change. But anyway, um, that'll be hour, hour four of the podcast. Um, but so, so I have really strong opinions on narration. And, um, and, I, and it's also narration is really hard for me to write because of my opinions about it. So like, and I, I did, you know, an issue of Nightwing took me twice as long always because of the, of the first person narration, you know? Hmm. So she's like, they want to do narration. I was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not breaking the mold of what we've done here. And um, she goes, right. She's like, so I agree with you. She's like, but I have an idea. And I just, I, I, I you know, let me tell it to you. And she goes, what if you write a fictitious Cause I'd come up with, I didn't use the hero's journey or is that what we called it? Uh, we called it something else. I called it like the hero's quest or something. Oh, and it was that like, sounds familiar. It was a fictional version of okay. the Joseph Campbell like yeah. story cycle. And, um, she's like, what if you narrate the book third person like it's excerpts from the hero's quest as billy's going through it and i was like oh that is such a fucking good idea i'm so angry at you because (laughs) this has to be in you need this by tomorrow morning i'm so (laughs) i'm so angry at you for how good of an idea this is god damn it because it was like (laughs) nine o'clock at night in chicago i was like i have to do this it's too good yeah but it also meant really building out the fictional version of the hero's quest. Yeah. And so I was talking to Michael and I was telling him about this and what I had to do now. And Michael, and at that point I couldn't tell Michael and Matt's voices apart and I'd never seen them. So they were just like two Australian voices like in my ear all the time, you know, but we were G chatting, Michael and I were G chatting. And he was like, I just told Matt, um, he's like, you know, you should talk to Matt. And he's like, I was like, why? And he's like, well, he teaches story structure. Um, I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, he's a writer. I was like, what? We've been talking for like a year. Like I, I didn't know that at all, you know? And also I don't actually know which one Matt is like, which <laughs> of you two, <laughs> who am I talking to right now? So Michael, okay, got it. So he reached out to Matt and Matt was like, oh, he's like, I would love to help with that. 
And I told him, I was like, okay, I was like, I have to get this in tomorrow morning. But like, if you want to help me on it, like, you know, it's just between us, but well, now I'm telling it on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I was like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say no. Cause it was like such a tight deadline and everything. And so, um, so we worked on it together and what he put together was really good. It was really good. And I, you know, and you know, I, I obviously I made changes and there was other stuff I wanted to do and, and, you know, I definitely made it, um, like I said, we did it together and then I, I took it across the finish line myself, but I looped back to him and I was like, Hey, uh, so what's the deal? Like, why do you want to write comics? And his exact line was writing comics is the only thing I want to (laughs) do. And I, I told him, I said, we have been talking for a year. Like, how have you never said this to me? And he goes, I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, let's hit pause for a second. Like, talk to me about kind of your background, like what, what you want to do, like what kind of stuff you like, et cetera. And so we had that conversation and I said, all right, here's what I would recommend. I said, I've been toying around with this idea for a while and I haven't done it yet, but I would be willing to do it here. If you're interested, I was like, write the first issue of something of a creator on. So I can see kind of where you're at. I said, and if, if it, if we like it, I was like, I would, I would be up for editing it. Meaning like I can go out and I can find an artist because mm-hmm. it won't just be like, Hey, check out my unpublished friends, you know, comic book script. Uh, um, <laughs> it's like, Hey, no, this is a book I'm putting together and I'm going to walk it to publishers once we get the pitch pages done, etc. So you wrote the first issue, uh, script and it was great. It was really good. Um, I had, I had notes, he did them. They were, it, it got even better. I went and found an artist, Eduardo Ferragato, and we put these pitch pages together and Image Green lit the book. And it's called Self Made. And that's Matt's first book. And while we were making the book, Eduardo said, hey, guys, um, I have this color. And I met Eduardo because he did some fill in pages on my Hadrian's Wall book that Rod Reese brought him in because um, he was a friend and we were really behind schedule. And and I just I really liked the stuff. So um, but while we were doing these self made pages, Eduardo's like, hey, I have this um, I have a friend. Marcelo Costa, who wants to do, he's really good with color. Like, I'm going to have him color if that's okay. And we're like, yeah, sure. And then we started seeing the colors. It was like, holy cow, like, who is this? These are amazing. And that sentiment was echoed by Daphna Plevin at Boom. So much so that before she'd even read the first issue that, that I slipped her, she started reaching out to Marcelo to hire him to color Power Rangers books. <laughs> so Marcelo colors the free comic book day issue of Power Rangers that Ryan and I wrote about the Morphin, uh, the emissaries of the Morphin Masters, and then he colored pages during um, the Shattered Grid finale one shot. Yep. Plus he was doing self made during all that time. He also colored the Soul of the Dragon uh, graphic novel that I wrote. That was like my last thing I I did on Power Rangers. And what's funny is that um, Marcelo is also an artist. But Walter Bayamonte, who colored um, Daniele Di Nicolo on Shattered Grid and everything, Walter is an amazing colorist. He's also an artist as well. And I was I would chat with both of them through Facebook Messenger. So I kept mixing them up in my head because I was on like a bunch of books all at once. And I kept and so I forgot that Marcelo also drew. And as I was putting this book together and I was and, and thinking about artists and looking for artists and, you know, Daniele wasn't going to be available. He was going to go back 
um, on rain, on uh, some stuff for Boom, and, and I'm thinking like I really want to do something, you know, with someone who gets what this is and and the touch points and the references, etc. And suddenly I realized I was like, oh, because I'd been talking to Walter, and I was like, I don't think Walter would be a fit just from a from an art style standpoint. And what I didn't realize is like I had been thinking Marcelo wouldn't be a fit either because I was thinking that of Walter's schedule. And suddenly I found this chat with Marcelo where uh, he had said a while earlier on a different project, he was available. And I was like, oh, well, let's. And so I just like started, we just started chatting and it turns out he loves Sentai. And, um, and I was like, oh, wow, I feel like such an idiot. Like this whole time, like I've been, I've been, I'm really not doing a good job articulating this. Um, but I feel, but I was basically conflating two people, one accident. And so then Marcelo started doing these designs and I wasn't sure because, you know, if you color, it's tough to get to redefine yourself as an illustrator. If you're getting consistent coloring work in comics mm -hmm. anyway, very few kind of colorists have ended up drawing their own books as well. One of them though is Rod Reese who quit his DC comics coloring career to do this book with me called Cowl. And then we did Hadrian's wall and now he's doing all this big X stuff at Marvel. I'm so happy for him. Marcelo is kind of in that same mold where he really liked illustrating, but he really liked coloring as well. And he looked at them as separate things and he started getting more coloring work. So he just went that path. And suddenly he was like, I'll like, he's like, can I just do some designs and we'll see? Cause I wasn't sure, you know? And he started doing these designs and each one just got better and better and better. And I was at this convention in Nova Scotia and I was walking like it was at night. It was freezing cold. I was walking by myself down the sidewalk and he sends me um, what became the final costume design for Radiant Black. And I stopped like in my tracks and I was just like, yes, that's it. Don't change anything. That's it. And I started texting it to my friends. I texted it to Stevenson as, as well. I was like, look at this. Like, cause you can just, you just know, you just know. It's like that, that's something new. Like that feels classic, but fresh. Um, and it just feels, it feels iconic. Was it always and, that, that style or did it go through various changes? So there were, he, a few days earlier, he was sending me, yeah, we were, talking about just kind of initial he did some initial sketches mm -hmm. and none of them really there were elements that we liked from each one but none of them were really coalescing they just felt a little generic and finally we like we had like a really grounded conversation where um uh i was talking about uh different superhero costumes that i responded to mm -hmm. um and i was like it's just strip it down. It's got to be graphic and it's got to be able to, re to read really small. Mm -hmm. And so that's, this is what he came back with. And it was like such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And um, actually Ryan is the one who said to me like 10 years ago, he's like, I think 90% of a, of a character working and sticking around, especially for superheroes is the design. Hell yeah. And like, look at Venom, you look at Spawn, you look at the Winter yeah, yeah. Soldier, you look at Miss Marvel, even Captain Marvel, the redesign that Jamie McKelvey did. Mm -hmm. Like, the characters that have popped, uh, Miles Morales as well. Yeah. Although I don't like the Miles Morales suit in the comics, but I love the Spider-Verse suit. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so good. Yeah. Uh, even Invincible. Like, didn't, did Robert say at one point, like, 
did he make a joke that he's like you know invincible sold because he was yellow or something like that like there's some there's something like that along the lines of there being a yellow superhero or the uh, yeah there's something because it, because he was originally orange and yellow oh, and he was called bulletproof and he was called that. bulletproof yeah, yeah. And, they, and in the, they... the hardcover, in the hardcover of Volume One, I I got a lot of joy out of that. Yeah. Robert described the emails to Eric Stevenson, and Eric wasn't the publisher at the time. I think he was he was he was under Valentino, mm-hmm. um, but he was like, he describes the correspondence with Eric, where Eric was like, uh, yeah, but orange and and yellow, like, yeah. are you sure about that? He goes, oh yeah, man. <laughs> We think it really sings, and really Eric sings, responded yeah. like <laughs> Eric responded like, "I don't think it's the song you're looking for." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but talk about like such a great like um, talk about such a great like uh, not synergy, but like kind of a coincidence where it's like you have a character named Invincible, and his logo is an eye, and you're for publishing an image. image. It's so right. It's, it's so great. I yeah. Know. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's how Marcelo, uh, that's how Marcelo came on. And like, again, from that first design, it was like, oh yeah. And then he did more mm-hmm. of some other characters and the power and, sets and we built everything out and it was like, okay, this is going to work. Yeah. Uh, and then he is, he has really leveled up his game on this interiors, even from issue one to issue two, like look at the fight scenes in issue two. He's doing everything. He's not only drawing, but he's coloring. Mm-hmm the book himself mm-hmm. um, it, i don't know it, I, I, we're probably going to end up bringing colorist on uh, for arc two just because it's so labor intensive a lot. Yeah, i was gonna say it's probably a lot of work it's so. a ton of work, ton I, of work. I was recently yeah. talking about um wolfman with my friend that's uh rereading everything or reading everything yeah. for the first time and jason howard i mean it, it's one of those things that that artist uh came to mind when you know talking about Marcelo, who's doing the, uh, the the drawing and the coloring, because um, Jason Howard did the same thing, and that's another series where the colors just pop off the page, and every page is is dramatically different, and um, you know, it's 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 it looks great, it looks really good. What's it? I'm I'm just I'm sorry, I'm just re- I'm laughing at Radiant Black. I'm like I have it <laughs> up. That's what I'm looking at, and I'm just like looking at pictures, and I and I went to issue two, and I'm looking at like that action scene. And Nate just says things that I'm thinking too, like, okay, well, I don't know what you just did, but that looks awesome. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, it does look awesome. Like, I yeah. like when the store, when when the art can tell a story on its own without, to your point, narration. I fucking hate narration. Yeah. Like, it should be able to be interesting on its own, and you'd be like, what is going on here? And then, like, it kind, and I feel like. With Marcelo and and I and I don't know any other work that he's done because I've said I don't read a lot, um, but I think it's I think it's interesting and I think you can tell when someone that's designing it, yeah. that that is coloring it, that is like kind of working with the script in a way. Like I feel like that's always a better illustration. I feel like it's a better visual story because they're they're so involved in all of it, you know. Like, he designed Radiant Black, so he knows what it's going to look like when he throws right. his punch or when, like, his visor gets cracked or, like, something like that. It's just – it's it's so good. You can tell hearing this story that he's so involved in all of the illustration and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah, and and the other person – that actually is a perfect segue as well to um, Michael and 
and Becca Carey. Becca is our letterer. Mm-hmm. Um, she is an amazing designer herself. And Michael, um, Michael again, he he runs the Ranger Danger uh, podcasts, um, and he the nickname we we all have for him is the Wizard because he he just he's just he's really good at a lot of things in like really surprising ways. Like for example, um, I told him at one point I was like, "Hey, um, we're gonna need a language, like." Like we're going to need an original language because of some things I want to do. And I'm trying to be, I mean, you guys can see it in the book. I'm trying to be coy right now though, but I was yeah. like, we're going to, we're going to need an original language. And he's like, huh? Okay. He's like, let me think on that. I was like, okay. That's funny a few days go by a, a little bit ago. You, you had said that, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm not J.R. Tolkien. I'm not going to write about, you know, yeah. you know, trees for pages and pages. But then I was like, yeah, but you kind of are making a language. Well, I'm absolutely making a language. Um, so, and because it's my book, I get to contradict myself whenever I want. Um, but, uh, but no, no. So there, but honestly, there was a, re- there is a reason for the language yeah. and there's something specific that I'm looking to do with it. There's a few things and I can tell you guys off air if you want to know, but, um, there's a few things that I was, I'm looking to do with it. And I was like, shit, I, we can't fake this. We're going to need this. Well, a few days go by and all of a sudden Michael sends me a PDF of like a deck that he's built that you like tab through, you know, because he's presenting an idea. Uh-huh. He has built an entirely new language based on binary. And then he also turned it into a font. <laughs> so we have an original language as a font that perfectly translates. That's so cool. Jeez. That's so and cool. so it's like shit like that. So, but anyway, f- flashback quite a ways to, I want to say, um, end of February, and Marcelo is is doing a bunch of pages on issue one, and we're really like liking the direction of it all. I've asked Michael Cho to do the cover, but we haven't seen you know a layout yet. He wouldn't send one for a few weeks, so it's like we weren't quite sure. We were still finding kind of like the style the visual style of of the book mm-hmm. but the visual style of a, of a book i think is incredibly important especially in 20 well now 2020 um as there's so much content out there like i think the best way to 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 sell a book is with the present the the you have to find a way to convey the confidence and clarity of vision to retailers and to potential readers and everything from the design to the cover to the costume design, if we're talking about a superhero thing, mm-hmm. to the logo, um, it, it, it has to convey like, hey, this is, this is a thing that's gonna matter and it's gonna be around. So like it's worth investing in. Yeah. Like that, that's kind of our approach, right? So, you know, having done Rangers for as long as I did and, and, and then Ultraman, et cetera, like my thinking on, on like doing, like the title card spread in issue one, it was like, Oh, maybe it's like, maybe it kind of feels like an 80s Sentai, you know, maybe it's kind of like that, like the light tunnel that you used to see a lot, you know, like an anime as well. Like maybe it's that with like radiant black, like real big, et cetera. And so Marcelo did a light tunnel, you know, drawing. And so we're, we're talking about that. And, and, um, I was talking to Matt and Michael over Gchat about it and different iterations. And I like, Matt's like, Oh, that's cool, et cetera. And Michael's not really saying anything. And then I kind of pushed him and he was like, yeah, I don't like it. I was like, okay. And he's like, no, it's just a personal thing. I just, I just don't like it. I don't like that design, etc. I was like, 
all right, well, like I'm all ears. Like if you want to, you know, like steer me, you're going to edit this, you know, and, and everything. Um, and so all of a sudden I get this email like a day later and he goes, here's why I don't like it. And here's what I think this book could be from a design standpoint. Mm-hmm. And he comped invincible <laughs> and he said, he goes, this isn't a nostalgia book. He's like, Power Rangers is the nostalgia book. There is no nostalgia to this. Yeah. He goes, this is the, the superhero book of 2020. He goes, this is what Invincible was 15 years ago. He goes, so what does that look like now? Taking into account modern contemporary design aesthetics, wow. taking into account narrative conventions. Like he like laid out kind of huh. a mission statement for me, but through the lens of design. Wow. And Marcelo and I started talking because I forwarded it to Marcelo immediately. And it, and it almost became like, in a cool way, it almost became like the Jerry Maguire brief, you know, at the start of the movie that Jerry Maguire writes. And you guys are looking at me. You, you was a, Have it's we not been, seen Jerry Maguire? It's been so long. I don't know. Jerry Maguire is is uh, is a is a high-end, high-priced, um, very successful sports agent. And he starts to have a conscience. And he stays up all night one night and he writes this basically like um this like memorandum of like hey uh we shouldn't be trying to make more money we should be having less clients so that we can do a better job with each one and he has it printed at like a kinko's and he sends out hundreds of copies all around the agency and then the next morning he wakes up and he's like oh no what have i done (laughs) <laughs> and he walks into the agency and everyone's read it and everyone's clapping, you know, and then like two agents are like, how long do you think he has? And he's like, I oh, give it a week. And he's fired, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was this like really inspiring, like mission statement yeah. of like, here's what the sports agency world could be. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that looking at Michael's kind of, you know, his his vision on the design riffing off of what I was trying to do. But but, you know, I may not have quite been able to articulate yet what i thought Mm -hmm. the book would be Mm -hmm. but that's what why comics are is so much fun it's like when you have a good team around you like everyone is like this sounds a a lot like it sounds a lot like kirkman and walker you know i mean like he 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 talks about that that cory walker and ryan otley especially later in the book are invincible they are what they're they're not just the illustrators they're they're behind everything about everything about it yeah Playing playing to individuals' strengths, I think that's that's awesome. You know what I mean? And I and I think, you know, it sounds like the reins, like you don't you don't have the reins held so tight to where you just have this vision that you want. Like it's almost letting other people in. That's when you were telling that story, I, I was feeling inspired. I'm like, yeah, let's fucking yeah, define 2020. <laughs> like, shit. Well, you guys, um, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Do you guys want to do something in the book? Like, do you want to do like something? Like, we can build something in back matter. Like, no, no. <laughs> is he yeah. answering for all of you, Bill and Ryan? He no, is not no, answering no, for everyone. No, no, yeah. Absolutely. We'd love yeah, to do of course. That. <laughs> um, yeah, because like I said at the start, like we're doing some cool things. Um, you know what? I can just I'll just I'll say it for the first time here. Um, we're doing something called uh, Marshall's School of Business, which are going to be these one page comics that we're going to do every issue. And it is Marshall, the um, the small doses best friend, uh, high school best friend of Nathan, who still lives in Lockport. And he also is the manager at the 
retro video rental store of my dreams called the real world. And, um, <laughs> it's Marshall school of business is the world's only accredited, uh, business school, um, that is set from behind, um, the, uh, <laughs> I'm going to butcher it. Let me, let me just read it here. I'll read it to you. Uh, <laughs> the, no, cause I'm going to, I'm going to mess it up. Um, my friend Riley Trella wrote the first one. He's a comedy writer and, uh, he nailed it. It says Marshall school of business. Um, the world's only accredited business school based behind a video store counter. And there's an asterisk and then next to accredited. And then right below that sentence, it says not accredited. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, um, um, so we're doing, we're doing a bunch of the, I mean, we're doing one every issue and I have friends and new creators writing them. Cause it's just, I think it's a really fun format mm -hmm. cause they're all kind of like that, you know? Um, and I love that we're talking around it right now because people aren't going to know what it means, what mm -hmm. this, what this format I'm talking about is, but, um, I, I'm, I imagine you can see the potential oh, yeah. of what you can do with it. Um, <laughs> but then we're also doing articles on, um, we're going to do articles on, uh, on, um, you know, toy collecting within that kind of tokusatsu kind of, uh, community, um, it's not even tokusatsu, but just like Power Rangers. There's a huge toy component to Power Rangers and to Power Rangers fandom. Mm -hmm. um, there's also uh, there's a lot of Common Rider toys and and Ultraman and and uh, certainly Gundam and things like that. Like that's a big part of um, those communities. And so uh, since Radiant Black has some of that flair as well, it was like, oh, let's do an article about that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I have someone that's going to be writing an article about like Raymond Chandler cinema because, and it might be in universe for the real world, you hmm. know, like for their newsletter or something yeah. because it's Nathan's, you know, Raymond wants, loves Raymond Chandler. So it's like, well, that is, I just want to do cool stuff yeah. that celebrates the stuff we love and also is just extra incentive to pick up the book each month. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, speaking of getting, uh, getting, uh, more incentive for people to pick the book up. I want to bring up the fact that you have incredible variants already. I mean, yeah. like an awesome list of artists. Uh, I just saw David one Finch. from, I just saw uh, Justin Mason just uh, just recently, and he's awesome. Uh, and that cover looks great. Um, how Do you get to just say, yeah, we're going to have 20 variants? I mean, is there a limit? How does that work? So I've, I've never really done variants before um, to this extent. I was going to say, because um, that's one of my favorite things of when I was reading through um, Power Rangers. All those variants in the back are incredible. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That that definitely was a point of reference for me. Just I thought that Boom handled the covers, for the most part, pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, and so... I, like, I think they absolutely went overboard with, like, certain, like, issues one had, like, 27 covers or something like that. Yeah. It's like, we're not going to do that. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, part of part of the fun for me of, of doing a book like this is I, I know a lot of artists, and I'm a fan of a lot of artists. And just the idea of, like, getting different artists to do a take on something I created, like... Oh man, like that's so cool. You want to talk about like 
being being excited and being a fan of something again, that's a great feeling. Every time a cover okay. comes into my inbox, it's like, oh, and Marcelo is in it. Like, hey, this is our guy, you yeah. know, and, and someone else is drawing him. The other thing too, and this is just a theory, but the other thing I was thinking about is like, really, this is kind of the first big image superhero since Invincible. Like, I, and, and don't quote me on that. Like, I'm, there may have been some others, but as far as like, you know, there's, I'll put it this way, Savage Dragons on the TV in issue one, you know, like it, it's, it's definitely something that like, we want this to be a long running mm-hmm. ongoing series. And we think the design is great of the mm-hmm. character for sure. But my theory about how to further um, kind of cement the character uh, for readers uh, and just within the industry is like, okay, well, if I get him drawn by some big, well-known superhero artists, that kind of further legitimizes him. Yeah. Um, that's my theory anyway. Maybe that's my own insecurities, like <laughs> manifesting is like, will anyone take this seriously? Well, uh, I don't know, but, <laughs> but maybe if David Finch draws him, they will. Um, and by the way, David offered on that cover, it was such a, just such a great, awesome thing of, for him to do like didn't again didn't have to do it um i feel like david finch just loves doing variant covers he does very you know what he's a he's a really (laughs) great guy like i've known him i've known him for a long time and and um just you know as acquaintances or socially and and in mexico city like i was saying like right before everything as things were shutting down like he and i got to spend like quite a bit of time together and and that was really really great and you know um and he's a guy that like if he says he's going to do something he does it and he said he wanted to do the cover for me. And then when it mm-hmm. came time, like even though schedules were a little tight on some other stuff he was doing, he um, he found a way to make it work. And all of a sudden this cover shows up in my inbox and we were like, oh, my God, like it's David Finch drawing yeah. our Pretty guy. Black. All right, we we should wrap up a, a little bit here. But before we do, I really wanted to get this uh, other question in. I have one from Luke Lizald here. He says, uh, question for Kyle. How am I just hearing about Radiant Black now? Is it just you putting the book together or do you have a team? If you do have a team, how did you find them? Not to worry, Kyle. I asked my local shop to start pulling it so I won't miss a single issue, literally. So I know we touched uh, a little bit on, you know, uh, on the, the team that you've put together and um, and all that. Now, what was the decision behind choosing to release this now? I mean, he, he's just hearing about it now because it was just announced. Right. So um, it's good that he's heard about it already that's actually that's a, a really good thing yeah because we announced it the day before it was then available to pre-order with with your comic store and that was on purpose mm-hmm. um so the fact that he's already heard about it great my thing is like i've been a part of a lot of i've been a part of a lot of book launches over the years work for hire as well as creator owned and the thing about creator owned launches is that increasingly our attention span as readers and consumers is so minuscule that if you announce something and it's not available to order for a month or two months like you you may as well have not announced it at all yeah so we decided let's i worked with kat salazar who runs pr and marketing at image and one of my favorite people as well and we worked to figure out okay what's the campaign what's the strategy to announce this book when are we going to do it 
Um, I also had a Kickstarter that was ending at the end of October and I didn't want to step on toes of either project. You know, you can only really promote one thing at a time. Yeah. And so it was like, okay. And then there was the election too. We didn't want to be anywhere near the election. Mm -hmm. So, uh, cause it was just such an unknown. So it became like, okay, when can we start running the glitch graphic teasers, which was something I just wanted to do cause it's cool, yeah. you know? And then that led to, okay. And we're going to do it with IO9 on Thursday. It'll be available to order on Friday. The press release will go out on Friday as well. So, um, as far as why we chose now, um, honestly, it was earlier. It was supposed to be November. Um, when Ultraman got pushed back, I said, I don't want to do Radiant Black until Ultraman is out. So I wanted to, I knew Marvel was putting a lot of resources behind Ultraman. And I just really believe in the book as well. And I also felt like coming on the heels of Ultraman doing well, or we thought it was going to do well, and it, and it has. Um, coming on the heels of that would be best for Radiant Black because now I've got Power Rangers led to Ultraman, Ultraman leads to Radiant Black. Like it's a clear narrative mm -hmm. with retailers. The other thing is that retailers tend to order based on what your previous work sold. Oh. So I've given this advice to to other creators as well. Like be careful with, with where you're doing your creator-owned books. If you're going to do a book at Image, but you also are doing creator-owned stuff at, say, Aftershock, Aftershock books launch at, um, this is no disrespect or judgment on Aftershock, but predominantly Aftershock books launch at considerably lower numbers than a lot of image books launch at. So if you launch an Aftershock book or any publisher, Vault or Black Mask or, or any of these, these you know, the smaller publishers, um, even Boom, if you launch a book there and it does, let's say it launches at 3,000 copies, and then you're going to launch an image book, you know, six months later, be careful because retailers will, some retailers will base their orders for your new image book on what your last creator owned book sold, mm -hmm. which would be one that launched at 3000 copies. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was taking that lesson to heart with regards to this subgenre. So like my power Rangers work launched very, very well. Ultraman, we thought was going to launch very, very well, and it did. And so I thought, okay, even though th those are not creator-owned, mm -hmm. they're the same subgenre that Radiant Black is iterating from. Mm -hmm. And let's see if that um, leads to some momentum for Radiant Black. And I don't know. We don't know yet. But that's yeah. why we're doing it now. Um, and I also think, like, I think we're in a good spot with regards to, like, everything else going on in the industry. I mean... Um, Future State and King in Black are both wrapping up uh, at Marvel and DC. The the you know the their events are mm -hmm. both wrapping up just as Radiant Black is launching. So I don't know what the status quo is going to be at Marvel or DC, but historically, coming out of an event, status quos tend to change. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it can be you know really exciting. Other times it can be a little confusing. Other times it can be both. Mm -hmm. So I just know that Radiant Black is like this like start fresh like. It starts down the middle. It's easy to get into, hopefully. Hopefully it's relatable. And hopefully it touches on some things that maybe some other superhero books aren't touching on at that moment. And yeah. if that happens, I think we'll be in a, a, a pretty good uh, place. Well, I think the reception has been pretty awesome from what I've seen. And I mean, we love the first two issues, you know? So we're really excited. I yeah. mean, I can't wait. I mean, I'll say it too, like, just 
you showed us a few, you showed us a few other small things here and there too and just from the little that we've seen uh the first two issues were great but it goes so much deeper even after that and it's so well thought out that from just the little that we've seen yeah any of our listeners us, know that we like some good world building so yeah, yeah it's it's so well thought out and it goes so deep like this is it's it's good to I'm glad that we know about this now and that we're talking about this now and that we're starting on that we're starting out on the ground floor of this and we're going to be yeah. able to start with issue one because we we weren't able to do that with Invincible. We started I started mm -hmm. like issue 41. Mm -hmm. So right. and I, I have full confidence that this is going to be like the next big thing. And oh, I'm, thanks, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped mm -hmm. for it. Well, before we wrap, then let me throw it back to you guys. Uh, a question for you all. Has there been any sort of surprise um, for you since Invincible, the series, the comic series wrapped as far as like, you know, I'm sure you went through a phase of like, what do we do with the podcast? What do we, <laughs> yeah. you oh, know, yeah. we're what do still we do? in that state. <laughs> what do we, what do we even just do with our fandom of this thing that is going away? Certainly the, the animated series. That's coming exactly. Out, like, yeah. That's we're all very excited for that. Yeah. I'm also, I'm, I'm excited as a fan, but I also had not considered until a fellow creator friend mentioned to me the other day, they're like, yeah, you know, like your stuff is is there to be mainlined by people who like Power Rangers and people who are going to fall in love with the Invincible animated series. I had not even considered that, that the yeah. Invincible animated series could actually bring attention to the Radiant Black comic, yeah. mm -hmm. um, in addition to all of the old Invincible traits, for sure. Mm -hmm. But um, but what have you guys found as far as your kind of path through the ending of the book and what the kind of next horizons for you all look like. It was, I feel like that's something that we're all always kind of like chasing. I think the three of us can agree. We've never read anything that to that level of invincible. There's other things that we read like individually. Like I've, I love anything by Donnie Cates. Oh yeah. Um, like we read, I, we read a little bit of that. Um, obviously Kirkman, we read almost everything Kirkman, but nothing's really hit like invincible has in my opinion, I'm, you guys can speak for yourselves. Yeah, no, I mean, I go, of course, I mean, we, we, we also really enjoy a lot of the things that Skybound's been putting out and, um, you know, they've done what Stillwater recently. I've been reading mm -hmm. those and yeah, just caught up on that awesome. actually. Um, but I mean, other than picking up uh, a few new comics here and there, as far as what to do with that fandom, I mean, like other, other than the animated series, it's, it's, you know, we've been exploring ways to, 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 keep that alive whether it be um filming trivia shows together or making mm -hmm. making games out of it or just finding new mm -hmm. people to introduce it to um and, and and honestly if there were if if, if kirkman and image or skybound were like you know what that's it that was the story we wanted to tell and we we would have been like that is that is that thing that we can put on a shelf and be yeah. you know fans forever mm -hmm. with but it you know, it, it's something that, you know, we we probably wouldn't have kept the podcast going much longer if that were the case. But mm -hmm. you know. it, it's 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 to tell, too, like when you talk about like um, and I'm sure you know this, obviously, being um, the main writer on Power Rangers and building that brand is Invincible has its own very tight knit community that keeps sure. it going itself. Like just like I'm sure the Power Ranger community has. And yeah. that helps us keep up. That helps keep the po our podcast going because people still want. It's so good that people still want to talk about it and they still mm -hmm. want to, you know, keep keep it alive. I, I think I think I, I remember when they announced it 
that it was ending, we're like, fuck. Like, <laughs> of course. You know what I mean? And right. we kind of had just started the podcast. Yeah, and, it was less than a year um, in. Yeah, and we're like, oh, well, f- you know, fuck us, right? We don't matter. Um, <laughs> but I think I think what's nice and what's kind of humbling is that, and we've had this conversation a lot, and I think we've had it on the air too, is that we don't necessarily know when this is going to end. Like, wh- if, right. if our podcast ends, it's going to end naturally. And I think that that's why... Like I like being a part of the show and, and why I like our fans like it so much is that it is so it's just a natural progression. Like we have something to say, so we're going to record it. You know what I mean? And when we don't really have anything else to say, I don't think we're necessarily going to be grasping at straws to find, you know, like what you said, like, you know, squeeze of fucking blood from a stone. Like right. when it happens, when, it happens. And when and, we have when we have nothing to say, there's going to be somebody out there that does have something to say. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Which I guess is kind of what happened yeah. today. I mean, we we're at a point where mm-hmm. we finished our reread of the series. We spent over a year rereading by, you know, floppies that trades yeah. uh, the entire series. Um, we switched from bi-weekly to, to monthly. I mean, we've done things to kind of just keep it alive. And obviously, every couple of months, uh, Skybound will, will say something about the animated series or, oh, the, there's still mm-hmm. a movie happening, maybe. I mean, there's all these things that are still out there. Um, but then someone like you comes along and it's like, hey, uh, I want to talk about Invincible, you know, yeah. and then and, mm-hmm. and, and this happens. It's all about spreading the good word of Invincible. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So yeah. it comes out in February comes out in february final order cutoff is in i think it's january 18th and what that means is like that's the final day to tell your store hey i want to order this um because it's the final day for them to get their orders in Mm -hmm. the store's orders are what determine the print run and they determine the sales on on a first issue Mm -hmm. on any on every issue actually yeah but you know obviously first issue is important and we're trying to launch strong so um you'll be seeing a lot more ramp up from us two over the next few weeks and certainly as we get closer to that final order cutoff mm-hmm. um, we have some really big stuff planned that we're going to be rolling out as well um, so you can follow that through um, the twitter and instagram accounts are um, at radiant uh, blk um, and then we also have a website that michael built that has a really sick easter egg uh, <laughs> that Someone finally found, um, uh-huh. but it took quite a while. And uh, that, this is super nerdy, but I was so excited when this happened. Um, we have a really fun URL for that. A couple years ago, um, whoever is in charge in the world of like domains and shit like that, they opened it up so you could do stuff you know, beyond .com and .net and .org and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So one of the things that was available was .black. So our website is actually just radiant.black. Radiant. Black. That's yeah. cool. That's so if cool. you go to that, you can keep up on all sorts of any of the press, any of the, the blurbs, the mm. like praise from other creators. You'll also see the social accounts. Um, it's also a preview of issue one that's up there right now. All the covers, the ordering information. We're going to have more direct links through Comic Hub um, and Comixology of ways to directly order like electronically, mm-hmm. that's actually one of the really hard parts about monthly print comics is there's still no great way to give someone a link over the internet where they click on it and they can buy the book mm-hmm. from a comic book store. Yeah. But we're, you know, big supporters of the direct market and of the, of comic book, of brick and mortar stores. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
So we want to make sure that we're driving people there to the extent that we're able to. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, we find my comic store uh, link is up there right now. Um, Comic Hub does have a service that allows more direct um, engagement with stores to order as a consumer. Um, But they have a limited number of stores that participate, I guess. So I'm still sorting all that out. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, Radiant.Black and the social accounts are probably the best way uh, the, the best best avenues to keep up on uh, on on what's going on with this book before yeah. it even comes out. Yeah, and uh, as you teased earlier, the social might might have a little bit more to it than just being a social media account. Yeah, for sure. So, that's that's a fun thing. Might I was be worth, to, like, might my, definitely be worth following along then. I would definitely follow it. Yeah. And and that was something that took me a little while to get my head around because I was like, is it only going to exist in universe? Is it <laughs> going to only be a PR tool? Like what is it? Yeah. And I found a way where it's like I don't have to be that rigid. Like it can exist in universe when we need it to. Cool. Which means if maybe there's some tweets that are going to show up in the book, yeah. maybe those tweets will end up on the actual Twitter account a few days before the book comes out. I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm just spitballing here. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. All right, Kyle, thank you so much. This has been a blast. This was so much fun. Oh, my pleasure. Are you kidding? Like this was, yeah, I've been sitting on the secret for so long and the fact that it, it coincides so nicely with Invincible and yeah. like my new kind of found discovery of this awesome thing I love that and, it just worked out and, so and, awesome and just that cherry on top that quote from robert kirkman like literally yeah. on the top of the poster is just i mean you know yeah. a, a superhero comic for anybody missing invincible like come on well and that's the whittled down version of the quote the full mm-hmm. quote is actually is like super amazing um and you can, can we, go to the can, yeah yeah, yeah. Can you, you share can it go to, i was gonna yeah, say because it's on it, we put it up on the website here i'll read it yeah that's a good um, way that's a good way to wrap this up is what robert kirkman said about it <laughs> all right these are not my words these are robert kirkman's words so you know uh radiant black is the perfect superhero comic for anyone missing invincible or anyone who hated invincible or anyone who never read invincible it's just the perfect super com- superhero comic for anyone especially anyone who enjoys the newness of an original superhero comic not bogged down by decades of continuity fall in love with superheroes again read radiant black that's awesome. There you go. Wow. That's great. Thank you again, man. That's you can't can't get any better of a way to end it than that. Oh, thanks guys. Until next time. Yeah. And we're back. Thank you again, Kyle. That was so much fun. I hope everybody listening enjoyed it. Um now we're gonna move on to I know I did, Ryan. <laughs> now we're gonna Me move... too. We're gonna... Me too. We're gonna move on to the other stuff. Um what kind of movies, games, TV shows, other comics that we've been reading? Uh, we just talked a lot about comics. So what about shows? Have you guys been watching Mandalorian? Uh, yes, I'm caught up. Not with today's episode. We're recording What's... right now on Thursday. Yeah, so um, it'll, yeah, tomorrow's episode. What, was, what was last week's episode called? The Jedi. The Jedi? Mm-hmm. So that's what, I, that's what we've all watched, I think. Yeah, so no spoilers, of course. Not all. I am, that is my next one that i need to watch okay so you're only yeah you're you're that episode yeah so it it is it might be uh, i don't think you'd be crazy in saying that it's the best piece of star wars content out there it i love it it's so good i i it's it's just great i, I don't know i think the problem that i'm having with it <clears throat> is that the entire show is starting to feel like pandering. Um, 
where it is like, here's this person from this show and here's this person from this show. It's like, but, but I, I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. I just want a cool story, an original story um, about something that I haven't seen. So the fact that it's starting to become convoluted with like all these other fucking characters from all these other like side stories and the Clone mm-hmm. Wars and fucking Rebels and stuff. I don't really care about that. Mm-hmm. That being said, I I didn't really think that the last episode was the best one. Like yeah. everyone else is talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a lot of fun. I mean, I, I like the pandering because it's, I think it's done very well and it is kind of rewarding for anyone that has watched those shows, which mm-hmm. I did. And so I feel like, you know, it's worth it. Uh, I agree with you though, in saying that, I would love a Star Wars story that has absolutely nothing to do with anyone else that we've seen uh, Mm -hmm. in that wide universe. But that's, I mean, years ago, I've kind of accepted that Star Wars is a small universe and they're going to keep telling the stories that tie together uh, for the most part. Um, But I've been really enjoying it. I think it's great. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. TJ is muted or something. Yep. Can't hear you, TJ. Oh, sorry, I coughed, so I muted oh, myself. There you go. Forgot to unmute myself. I will watch it, and we'll talk about it maybe on the Oblivion Song podcast. Cool. Good. Uh, Queen's Gambit is amazing. I kept hearing a lot about it um, from various podcasts or shows and everything like that. Decided to, to start watching it, Katie and I did, and um, it. I, I hate that I'm not watching it right now. It's one of those shows where I wish wow. we could just binge it. Um, it's very, very, very good. Either of you watch it? No, but it is uh, it is literally next on my list. Like I'm probably mm-hmm. going to start it tonight. <laughs> yeah, because I've heard the same thing. Liz watched it and she watched it in like fucking a day. Like right. I don't know. I, I thought it was a movie. That's how quick she watched it. That's funny. Uh, and and she's like, oh, I'm gonna wa- oh, I'm gonna watch this thing. And then yeah. she did. She and she equally she loved it. Just yeah, as much. It's, it's great. I'm... I watched something that is not getting nearly enough attention. What's that? It's a show on Amazon Prime called Wayne. Dude, shut the fuck up. I was going to say that I watched Wayne. Go ahead. <laughs> it's awesome. It's, it's very, very awesome. Literally, like, I, I live alone, and I'm, I, I, like, I sit here, and I'm laughing out loud. Like, <laughs> constantly. Like, it's so funny. And, like, it's, it's everything we, we, we like in a good, in one of those, like, real good, like, feel-good yeah. shows, like, mm-hmm. where it's funny, but it's also very emotional. And it's, it has like, a lot of heart. It, the characters are so fucking like ridiculously unique. Hmm. Like you've never seen a show with characters like this before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, have it's you? Awesome. Um, I just finished did, that. Did you finish it? I'll check it out. Oh yeah, I finished so, it like a couple days ago. Like, so two, me and Liz two, finished two, it like a week and a half ago. Um, and we watched it. So we watched the first like three episodes, and then the next day we just fucking stayed up until two and just watched all of them because it started to get to the point to where like you had to watch the next one. Like you just you yeah, have to. Yeah. Um, TJ, the fucking brothers. There's twin brothers in it. They are the funniest thing. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, it's Ryan. It's it's just it's really cool. And what sucks is that it was originally a YouTube show. It was on their like the YouTube TV or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, the show came out in 2019, and Amazon picked it up and released ago. it November 5th. It was on YouTube and, Red or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it ends like on a cliffhanger, pretty oh. much. Not not a cliffhanger, but like. Do you think it's like, gonna get more? Dude, I, I think hope so. I, I don't think Amazon would have picked it up if they and like didn't. Yeah. if they didn't have intention to because the I, I I did a bunch of research on it because I fucking love the show so much. 
that the viewership on it was insane. Yeah. Go to Rotten Tomatoes. The the critic okay. and the use, user reviews are awesome on Wayne. it. You should watch it. Maybe we'll watch that after Queen's Gambit. It's very good. Uh, have you watched anything else lately? Um, I, no, I, I will say, I feel like I haven't... I feel like I've seen... I feel like the number of movies I've watched in 2020, uh, I could count on one hand. Mm-hmm. I feel like just because how busy Katie and I have been, um, you know, obviously we got a puppy. Um, I have no time for more than like an hour and a half. So like movies are very rare, you know. Uh, so there's there's just and it and it stinks. Like I feel like this section on our, on the show notes here uh, have said nothing for movies for the last several months. And I hate it. I hate it. You know what I mean? Like, I hate that we can't see movies anymore. I hate that movies aren't coming out anymore. And it's it's starting. I'm starting to really feel the fatigue of not having yeah. movies and having that experience. Um, I don't know. I, I've seen. So I watched uh, Super Intelligence on HBO Max. Um, that was just OK. Um, did you guys watch Love and Monsters, which was. No, it, but that's also on my list. I want to see it, that too. It was really, really good. Yeah. Like it's, uh, I I think for what it is, like it's it's it was a surprise. Like it was a huge. It came out of nowhere, um, and yeah, I I think that's mm. that's a great movie. Mm. But I the, I mean, other than that, honestly, I started for... watching Entourage again. Do you guys remember how good <laughs> Entourage is? I yeah. feel like. I remember really liking it. I feel like it wouldn't hold up. It does. Oh, I think it would. It does. I think it would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the first time in forever, I... Uh, first time mm-hmm. in forever. Yep. I, uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't watch a movie. And TJ, that movie that you recommended that I tried, I just could not get through it. And I, I, I very rarely, if ever, have ever stopped a movie after giving what, it that what much movie? time. What movie? It, this was the movie that I recommended because it's by the same writer director as Ryan's favorite movie, which oh. is um, Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. It's called. Uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of, of ending. ending things. The whole movie is extremely um, awkward, and Ryan doesn't like awkward. Like beyond. Like I could. Yes. Like I was so uncomfortable, Bill. I couldn't. I couldn't even. <laughs> I at one point I was like, okay, let me ride it out. I'm going to, but I get, I'll, I'll be on my phone or something and it'll be on, but I'll still kind of pay attention. And then it was to the point where I'm like, I can't even do that. I can't even have this on. It was making me so uncomfortable in my own skin. So, like it was almost, so you, it's genius. You, it's probably an amazing movie because it's able to accomplish that. So mm-hmm. if you're able to handle that, give it a try, but I could I don't, not. No, so here's no. the thing. Here's the thing. There is this movie. So. Ryan, like you always said, like I remember you, you said you hated Superbad because it's it's awkward. You don't like awkwardness. It's like oh, it's that's like, like your thing. That's you don't nothing like compared to this. Right? right. No, no, that's no, like goofy comedy. But awkward. this movie is supposed to. And there's a reason why it's supposed mm-hmm. to. It's supposed to make you feel it's supposed to make the normal person feel awkward. Mm-hmm. So you already like don't like regular awkward. And it like heightens that even more. So I understand why you don't like it. <laughs> But uh, I think that I, it's I think never, that it's a movie I would never watch again. Yeah. Um, sometime I think the, that we how need it to, comes together in the end. Is, I was gonna say I, I think I'd like for you to spoil it for me sometime because I'm yeah, cu- I am yeah, curious, well, but I just cannot, man. Bill, I want you to watch like ten minutes just to just to know. I don't I don't do well with that kind of stuff. Like, if it's what I'm thinking, it it's gonna make me feel like the movie Whiplash. 
makes me feel stage fright. Like Ooh. it makes me feel anxious. That's a good. That's a good like, analogy. Yeah. Like when he's on stage and he's fucking it up, I'm like, Ugh, I'm gonna yeah. throw up. Like, yeah. or when I'm watching Liz watches The Voice, and when someone's doing really, really fucking terrible, I have to. I, uh, I yes. have to go in the other Dude. room. Dude. Yes. Like, absolutely. No, so I'm not gonna watch that fucking movie. So then. it's no something way. like no that. But imagine you're in the car with someone, and it's just an awkward conversation. Like they say something and there's the long pause. And it's just like, but Ryan, Ryan, oh. the whole, the whole intro <laughs> of them in the car. Yeah. I thought was brilliant. I loved it. Again, I can appreciate it. It's Is just, it whole, the dialogue. The dialogue was so good. The yeah. dialogue all oh, was so good. Is it the, is, is it, it this level of uncomfortable? Like, because I did this in real life about uh, last week. I had a customer come in. It was the first time she'd ever come, come into my store. I sold her something and I gave her a really good deal and she was walking out and she's like, Billy, you're the man. And I was like, I was like, you're the woman like that. And it, and, and like my coworkers were in the back room and they're, and they're like, Oh no. That's, no. And I'm that's, like, that's like the groan awkwardness. Like, you know, like what's her face uh, performing on SNL. And it's like, Oh, this is yeah. like the, this is yeah. like the, like we're supposed to like Ashley Simpson. We're supposed to like be in love, but I don't know how to act around you. Yeah, it's like okay. a weird like I don't yeah. know. Like, I, I, it's hard to explain. Okay, I gotta stop thinking about it. <laughs> okay. What about some video games? I've been playing a ton of video games. Oh yeah, you got a PlayStation Five, didn't you? I did. I got a PlayStation Five for my birthday. Katie uh, got me one as an early birthday present. Um, I loved Astrobot on it. I thought that was a great introduction to the system and a great celebration of all things PlayStation. And I started playing um, Bug Snacks on it. Um, I have not gotten Miles Morales yet, but that'll probably be my next one. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, just been playing like you know Tony Hawk Pro Skater on it still, as well as um, you know jumping into Avengers every now and then. We got the uh, Kate Bishop content that'll be out uh, in a week or so. Um, but other than that, I have been absolutely in love with Hades on uh, Nintendo Switch. It is just exactly my kind of game. I love things like Rogue Legacy or um, Steamroll Dig or like um, Hollow Knight or you know really cool um, like roguelike kind of games. And I also love Greek mythology. So this game was just right up my alley and, uh, it's been Mm -hmm. a ton of fun. It's so smart. The music's incredible. The gameplay is amazing. The story is awesome. The visuals are so good. Um, it's just one of those like perfect package kind of games. Um, and it just is so addictive too. Um, so addictive. I like, I literally got a PS5 and I find myself trying to split my time between that and a PS5. Like it's so much fun. Um, so yeah. Mm. Uh, I did play and beat Miles Morales. Um, I will go on the record without spoiling anything, Ryan, that from a gameplay standpoint, I had more fun playing Miles Morales. It, it is, in my opinion, That's a kind of better what I've been Spider-Man yeah. game. People are saying it's, they, they it's took insane. they took what they learned from that the the first one and were, were like, let's just like make it into a little bit of a shorter, more condensed, better version, just more. Yeah, no I could have played it, dude. You know, you know how like um, Arkham, like yeah. when Arkham Asylum came out, I could just play the fight rooms over yep. and over and over again. Uh, I get like combos of like two hundred plus. Yeah, that I fucking love the combat in this. It's cool. so much more intuitive. Oh, uh, I'm Ryan, so you're excited, fucking man. Love it, dude. I'm so you're excited. gonna love it. Cool. Yeah, TJ. One thing I have been reading is Ready Player Two came out. Oh shit! I have not oh, read okay. that yet. It got really bad reviews, TJ. Did it? Yeah. IGN gave it like a four. Oh, I wouldn't. No yeah. way. How far no into way. it are you? 
Um, Percentage. Uh, well, I'm I'm two thirds in, okay. uh, almost exactly, because there's 30 chapters and I'm on 20. And you're so, enjoying it? I I love it. I think oh, cool. it's really good. It's not obviously it's not as good. As, you know, I would agree that it's not as good as the first one. Um, I know. However, go ahead. I was just about to say, I know the criticisms that the first one gets, and I understand the criticisms, and I can totally see that. It's one mm. of those things where it's just kind of dumb entertainment for me, so I enjoyed it. So this, I can understand if people don't like it, they're not into a certain thing, because this book dives very deep into like a genre of something very specific that happened in the mm. 80s. Um and if you don't like that, if you if you're not a, like a fan of that thing, I don't want to say what it is, um, then you're probably not gonna like it because they spend like a lot of ten time chapters. That. It's like mm-hmm. um like not that this was in the first book because it wasn't, but for anybody that saw the Ready Player One movie, let's say like the Shining scene. I knew you were gonna say imagine, that. Imagine yeah. imagine you've never seen Shining, and that's like a third of the movie. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, so. It, it's not one specific movie, but it's it's multiple of like it. one genre. Yeah. So, I I'm a fan of that thing, so I'm enjoying it. Cool. Um, yeah. But Ryan, I think that you would also enjoy it. Okay, good. I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still really enjoying, like, surprised at how much I'm enjoying Walking Dead Deluxe. Um, it's just been so long since I've read those early issues and reading mm-hmm. the behind the scenes in the back was really cool. I didn't know this at one point. Uh, uh, I want to say it's in uh, issue four when uh, uh, they see the tank in Atlanta. There's all the bodies around it. One of them is Isotope from Invincible because it's someone that uh, like a, a friend of Robert Kirkman's. So he based the <laughs> character off of this guy. He owned a comic book shop, I believe, named Isotope Comics. So he named a character after him in Invincible, and he's a dead body in the, that on that splash page and in Walking Dead. Cool things like that, um, but just like the behind the scenes of him writing it, and um, and obviously it in color is pretty cool. So been really enjoying Walking Dead Deluxe. Uh, got caught up on Stillwater. Me too. Wait, yeah. unless did you read it? Come out, did it? Three issues. Uh, yo, I'm caught up. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, the third one ends with the newscast, right? With this, I don't want to spoil it. I'm I'm all caught up. I think I'm I know what up. you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's it's really cool. It's going some cool places. I like I like the direction it's going in. Yes. Um, I am probably most excited to read that week to week currently or yeah. month to month currently. Yeah. I'm actually I would agree with you. Like I'm very more so than like, not crossover firepower. Crossover. Uh, um, firepower I read as well. I did um, not. I'm not caught up. And I am more excited for Stillwater just because it's I'm interested. Like, I'm I'm super interested to see, like, what they can do with this story. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm I, I guess I'm more interested to see, like, how long they can take it. You know, like, I, have to, I have to take that back, though, because, like, uh, I like Stillwater because, like I said last last time, it reads like a book. Like, it doesn't it does. feel like a comic. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I'm probably more excited for Crossover. I can't wait for like dude. I'm so excited for crossover issue two. I'm really excited to find out whether or not it was just issue one that really hooked me, or if they if they can keep this momentum. Donnie Cates tweeted today, and he said, "Retailers, you know I'm not I'm not one to yank your chain. Issue three and issue six are going to be. I think he said three. It may have been four. Actually, I think it was four. Issue four and issue six are going to sell out. Cool. Oh my god, dude." 
if they if they actually succeed with what they're like leading to in that book it's it's crazy they didn't i guess you know what you know what I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to give it to issue two because if they keep up you with this vague, yeah. if, if they keep up with this vague, like, is it supposed to be Superman kind of thing? I'm not going to be interested anymore. Oh, like, no. oh, he dre- he dresses like a spider. I wonder if that's Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see because I understand. I don't know. It's so it's such an interesting concept. I'm not really sure how they're going to be able to do it. But right. One thing that uh, I read, I've been reading for the last several months that but didn't really want to bring up on the show was I was obviously reading a shit ton of Power Rangers to uh, gear up for the Kyle Higgins uh, chat. So I've been, uh, I read all of those, uh, at least his entire run. Um, TJ, I know you've been reading that as well. Yeah, and it's great. And um, what else? Obviously, we read um, the first couple issues of Radiant Black, which you've heard us talk a lot about already on this episode. Mm-hmm. A lot. I feel like like was... if you're, if you're, honestly, like I got, I got a shout out to anybody that's, that's listening, all, all of our listeners right now. If you're still listening to this, God bless you. Yeah, because how did you make is, it? This is definitely <laughs> it. so. Let's uh, so let's let's wrap it up because again, they have been listening for a while now. So <clears throat> this does it for 2020. We'll be back in a month for our first episode. We're gonna look back at uh, 2020 like we have been doing for the last couple of years in our uh, little annual look back uh, episode. Um, but I'm 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 kind of glad we're here at the end uh, at 2020 here. Uh, wish everybody obviously a uh, happy holiday and Merry Christmas um, but uh, don't you know, go to any get togethers yeah don't yeah be safe everybody be safe uh, if you want to write into the show um, we you can reach us at uh, the invincible podcast at gmail.com uh, we are on Twitter Facebook and YouTube uh, if you're hearing this outro song right now it is by our friend Wyatt Lane uh, the title of the song is called The Wave Returns. You can find his music over on SoundCloud, Apple Music, uh, Spotify, <clears throat> and uh, he does some really great stuff. Thank you, Wyatt, for uh, helping us out and uh, letting us use your music at the end of these episodes. Uh, so that does it. We hope you all enjoyed uh, not only this episode, but uh, all of our stuff in 2020. We've got uh, uh, an exciting 2021 coming up, I think. I mean, we all have uh, some expectations for 2021, and uh, I think uh, I think it's gonna be great. So, have a good night, uh, guys. I will talk to you later. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.
everybody, and welcome to the Invincible Podcast. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to start, like, all over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. I didn't think you were going to put so much emphasis on the word two, though. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, like... <laughs> it was only been, like, a minute. Why not just start over? It's going to be oh. easier.